My father was half Chinese and half Hawaiian. My mother's of Swedish descent, so that makes me um, a, a quarter podcast. <laughs> Great. Hi. Hi. Aloha, everyone. How are you doing? Aloha. Aloha. My name's Griffin Newman. I'm David Sims. This is Blank Check with Griffin and David, colon, we podcast. This is a podcast where we go through directors who have big success early on mm. and are given a series of blank checks, right. and sometimes they, uh, they cash out, and sometimes the checks bounce, baby. Uh, this episode is not about the movie Bounce. It's about the film Aloha. Because, Ooh, we should do a Bounce podcast. Yeah, well, Bounce cast. Bounce cast. Uh, this uh, mini series we podcast is about the films of Cameron Crowe, mm. and we are on not Don Roos. Not Don Roos. Don Roos directed <laughs> the director Bounce? of Bounce. Really, yes. I didn't know that. Uh, that guy's got a weird career. That's what I'm saying. Bounce cast. Yeah, let's do Roos cast. The opposite of pod. The the pod of whatever. yeah. Uh, <laughs> the opposite of podcast. Uh, he what what did he do a movie called Happy Endings too? He did. He did a movie called Happy Endings. But it he didn't starred do Happy Adam Pally and no no no. Happy it's, Accidents was Brad Anderson, right? I don't know. Okay, and there Happy goes, Endings is the one where like Ted oh what's Roseanne's husband's name <laughs> ex husband Tom Arnold Tom Arnold yes gets like jerked off right at a massage parlor. But Happy Accidents is Marissa Tomei and Vincent D'Onofrio time traveling. Is that what that movie's called? Have you heard of this movie? You're not going to be introduced yet. I'm no. sorry. Wait a second. Do you see that off in the horizon? That's our our last listener turning off this episode. <laughs> I see them waving goodbye. All podcasts as they walk have away. been canceled. All podcasts have been canceled. You're correct. And it was directed by Brad Anderson. It's uh yes, whoever that who's that? Uh, he did the Machinist. Well, apparently, it's about a woman who meets a man who claims to be from the year 2470. Thank you. Thank. You. Apparently, at the end, they both turn out to be time travelers. Well, fuck that. <laughs> Spoiler alert. For never Happy seen Accident. it. And now, guess what? I will never watch that movie. <laughs> that is the dumbest twist ending I have ever heard. But now on to Aloha, a great movie. Imagine that if the we end of watched. Sixth Sense was that Haley Joel Osment <laughs> is also dead. a ghost. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Fuck all movies. My name's Griffin New, and this is Blank Check, the podcast. The miniseries is called We, we Podcast. Don't. We're yeah, going we through the films of Cameron Crowe. Today we're talking about the film Aloha. His most recent film. Your name's David Sims. Yeah. We have a guest. We have a great guest. She's great. She's great. Oh, here she I, is. I've been oh, so thanks. excited to have her on the show. It's long overdue. We used to work together and then sit next to each other. We did. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I never uh, worked with you. I, I wish I had the pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it'd be a great experience, but I've I've had a lot of fun nights. We we you know after movie screening discussions and, yes. and parties and bars and stuff. You're always one of my favorite people to talk to. Aw, thanks. Uh, currently of the AV Club. Mm -hmm. That's but, true. But formally, let's. I mean, long list. You have written for <laughs> Refinery Twenty Nine. You've written for The Atlantic. You wrote for The Atlantic Wire. The Atlantic Wire. Wire. <laughs> Back in the day. R.I.P. Entertainment Weekly. Correct. Yes, right. Yes. Many others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done uh, some freelancing around there. Esther, Esther Zuckerman is on the show. Esther That's Zuckerman, right. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk about warmest aloha, I should say. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. We need a, a warm aloha on this on this warm, sunny, it's a warm humid day. day. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's better than yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Which was better than the day before. Yeah. I feel like Monday and was tomorrow the worst. will be better. Yeah, let's hope so. It will, Griffin. 
Turn that frown upside down. Yeah. Uh, so this we've gotten to uh, Cameron Crowe's last theatrically released is it feature his, film. His eighth film, I believe so. Uh, maybe this is the last movie he will ever make. It's his eighth film. It's his eighth film. It, it might be the last movie he ever. Is he going to make another movie? Has there ever been? I don't think there's been anything in now. I've heard him even, express no. Right. Yeah. Because when Elizabeth came out. Yeah. In Elizabeth Town. Yeah. <laughs> not Elizabeth with Kate Blanchett. <laughs> yeah. This was the next project. Yeah. And so then even when he made other things, it was always like, oh, well, he's got his he's got his Hawaii movie that he's got to do. Yeah. Now, I don't think anyone's like, oh, Cam's, you know, he's busy working on his Alaska movie. or I mean, he has roadies to keep him busy. He's got roadies. Did that get renewed? I don't know. I don't think so yet. And, of course, we'll be discussing roadies next episode. How fun. How many episodes have you watched? Two. How many have you watched? Zero! Oh I've watched one. <laughs> okay. I won't be here, but I've watched one. I'll say- uh, You can come back if you want to do it. I'll say this because, you know, a, a lot of uh, my, my friends such as you who work in uh, entertainment writing and TV criticism and, and such watch the first episode uh, out of uh, job obligations or, or morbid curiosity and they didn't watch the second one. I think the second one's better than the first. I honestly didn't hate the first one. I, I mean, mean, I hated a lot of parts of it, I, but as a whole, I didn't like- I didn't hate it. I, I was, feel the same way. I thought I was going to continue watching it, and then there was other television. It's it's <laughs> not a, uh, a show that um, demands, like, it, you don't leave the first episode being like, oh, man, I got to see what there, happens there's next. There's no cliffhanger? In a time with, like, five million TV shows on TV the air, show. it's very hard to compel yourself to keep watching I mean, it. What's going to happen to Imogen Poots? Yes. I Every night I'm like, oh, fuck, you should watch Roadies. You know, because I'm like, I know I got to catch up with this thing because we're going to have to cover it. Nah. But it's like, I, I prefer watching, you know, The Incredibles again. I thought we said we would never do a TV show on this podcast again, and yeah, here we We're are. We're doing it again. I know. Thank uh, God James Cameron never made a TV show. It's it's not terrible, but we'll talk about roadies next week. Yeah, this is terrible. Aloha. Yeah. Aloha. 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 Can I say something? Aloha. But, but once again, I don't know if this is like a Stockholm Syndrome thing. Oh, boy. I like the movie more the second time. Well, I thought I was going to like it more the second time because it's so weird and discombobulating Yeah, the first yeah. time. Well, you have no idea what's going on. No. And I was like, or maybe the second time it's going to click for me. And so we all now have seen it twice? Yes. Yes. Okay. I saw it in theaters. I yeah. saw it with past guest Pilot Virowit. We went to see it at the Williamsburg Cinema in one of those. Have you been there? No. Have you been there? Yes. You know, there's those theaters that are like down the stairs that mm-hmm. are very small and kind of, that's where they put, it was just me and her. Yeah. <laughs> just watching Aloha and just like, I think we were like, oh, this is going to be fun. We're going to like, you know, have a lo- laugh at and, Aloha. And, and we I just sort of like, sat there silently. Groaning. I feel like I insisted that you go see it. We yeah, were doing no, no, the podcast you, at the you, time. And we you were, were doing like, the I'm podcast. not going to do it. And I was like, Aloha's fascinating. Like, you and need it to watch is, it. It is really interesting. It is really interesting. It's definitely, In a lot of ways. Yeah. 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 But uh, so the second, so the first time I like walked out of there and I was like, well, that was a disaster. And also we were all just so mad about the casting and the, you know, there was, yes. that was all right. floating and that was very hard to ignore. And the second time I was like, well, maybe I'll feel differently. And then immediately I'm like, why is Emma Stone? <laughs> like immediately I snapped right back into it. I couldn't get over it. Well, and, and here's you another can't thing. Get over it. You can't get over it. And you can't. Well, and, but you cannot get over it. It is inexcusable and it is awful. But that having been said. This time, I knew it was happening, so I didn't feel as much I knew much it was happening the first time. But didn't everyone know it was happening yeah, the first time? Yeah, we knew time? it was happening. Well, I was going back and looking at the timeline, okay? So he originally announces this movie in, like, 2006 or 2007, right? right? When it was going to be Reese Witherspoon playing the part. And Which, Ben Stiller. And Ben Stiller. I was going to say, Reese was definitely playing this part, not the Rachel McAdams part. 
At that time, he only announced one. Yeah, I mean, know. you would think also, Emma's we, the lead. Also, do we know that it was like exactly <laughs> this character? I don't know. Yeah. Allison, hard to know. I don't hard know. know. I, you know, I think the script changed a lot. I, yeah. I don't know. Okay, yeah. but Reese Witherspoon was announced to be playing the female lead. I don't know if there was a second female lead at that point in the development. Right. And after we All bought, we knew a zoo, was Ben and Reese. Right. Had they been in something? No, they were almost in like four movies together. Yeah, it feels like they. There was that Jay Roach movie, Used Guys, which was also one of the like those movies that got pulled like three weeks yeah, before like filming. Yeah, like Sprockets. Right. <laughs> yeah. They like and and I think Deep Tiki was like two months away from sure. filming. Like Deep they were in pre-production. Tiki. It's just the, yeah. the reason it was named Deep Tiki yeah, for a worst. really long can I say, time. Worst can I compliment one thing about the movie from the onset? Don't say that it, the title. I the, think they nailed the title. No, they blew the Warm title. Warmest Aloha. I, I think you they nailed the title. You can't make a movie with a, a called Aloha that's set in Hawaii and have the cast be three white people. I don't think that I, I think that's you a can't fault. It. I, it's another language. Can I make a point? I think that's the fault of the movie and not of the title. It's a bad title. What does the title even have to do with Because he's saying goodbye to one relationship and saying hello to another? <laughs> no. Yes. Oh no. Yes, the title is clever. His old life and his new life. I yes. just wanted to say I just feel like Ben and Reese were in a movie together because they were both very famous at the same time. And they just, kept on getting yeah. attached to projects. That mid-aughts, like, yeah. oh, Ben Stiller and Reese Witherspoon, the big A-list stars. Yeah. That's a weird time. What a weird time. Yeah. Uh, I I remember when the year that uh, Meet the Parents came out. So this is already- 2000. Yes. It's already two years after uh, There's Something About Mary, and he had some other uh, films of you know varying success in between, but like Meet the Parents was his second like huge movie. They, like, People Magazine, they're, like, entertainers of the year, wrote, like, who do you think? Not Entertainment Weekly? It wasn't Entertainment Weekly. Weird. I know the Entertainment Entertainers Weekly, of, entertainers the, year of the Year is the branded. It, it wasn't, yes, it wasn't the branded <laughs> title. I mean, it was, you know, important <laughs> yeah. figures of the year, whatever it was. They were clearly wholesale ripping off Entertainment Weekly. Which, same, same parent company. My response was, ew, because I was grossed out by how much they were ripping off EW. <laughs> If you catch my drift. <laughs> this slash okay. film article from 08 says Reese is probably playing Tracy, but they're not sure. Okay, Not Allison Ng. Uh, my, my sidebar here I was going to say go was ahead. just the fucking, in this piece about Ben Stiller's, one of their like important people of 2000, mm-hmm. they were like, who do you think was the lead of the biggest comedy film of the year? If you guessed Tim Allen or Jim Carrey, you'd be wrong. Would you believe that it was actually Ben Stiller? Like, they were positioning him as this underdog, even after He'd there's something about Mary's. Yeah. yeah. What? Like, Could you believe that Ben Stiller was the lead of the biggest comedy of the year? Also, it's like, comedy is like his thing at this point, so it's not like comedy is the crazy part of this. They were fucking writing about him as if he was Sholto Copley, like, after District 9, and it was like, they found this guy working in an office, and they made him the star of a movie, and the movie did well. <laughs> so, the way Slash Film describes this project in 2008 is kind yeah. of fascinating. Okay. They say, you know, they explain, like, uh, he's going to play Brian Gilchrist, a, seven, a disgraced U.S. weapons consultant. <laughs> Just, I mean, right there, you're hooked, right? <laughs> of course. His only friend is a techie named Jeremy, uh, a super smart and highly aware computer. What? Now, I think <sighs> this is a typo. They must mean computer nope. programmer. Nope, nope. Or I, is it like yep, the I, Friends show within a show Mac and Cheese? <laughs> Yes. In which there was a robot called Cheese, which, which I is, referenced in our Elizabeth Yes, Cat the second episode. time you've referenced Mac and Cheese on this podcast. <laughs> and I'm going to try and reference every week from now on. Is it um, like Chappie? <laughs> David, that is not an error. I remember closely following Esther 15 comedy points. Very uh, good, very good. I remember closely following the development of Deep Tiki at this time, and that was the big thing that, like, they were being very hush-hush about it, but the movie was definitely about a guy being friends with a computer. 
That would be weird. I want to see that movie. <laughs> I, but the thing is, that sounds weird, but also Aloha's weird. Yep. It's not like Aloha, they like paired the weirdness out of it, you know, with multiple rewrites. It's still weird. Well, he, it's weird. He kills a satellite with the history of media. <laughs> he does. Uh, together the with power the, of music. Yeah. Together with the anal and humorless major Lisa Ng, so they changed her name. Okay, so they hadn't cast that part yet, I guess. And apparently she's anal and humorless, That's which is not exactly how I describe her character in this. I she's feel kind like of there like are a go-getter. That. Yeah. The first five minutes, I'd mm-hmm. say that's totally what she is. Mm-hmm. It, the first five minutes, it's more. I mean, she's very Type A, I guess. Sir, listen, yes, but she's like right. very like rigid. But also, the first she five minutes are really tea. weird because she's like, you know. Hi, I'm here to assist you. And he's like, I'm a renegade. Yeah. Nobody get near me. Yeah. I'm fucking crazy. Look, right. look at me. Like, And you're like, why is he so hostile? The first five minutes of the movie, she is the most like rigid, humorless person <laughs> sure. in the world. And he's telling everyone how awful he he's is. He's like, I'm a renegade. Right, go on. Right. And then it cuts to her in her hotel room talking to her mom going, there's greatness in this guy. <laughs> Which is, uh, that scene upsets me so much. After that much. opening, she's that quick. Now she, her shirt's untucked and she's got her hair and, undone yeah, and she's beautiful. she's like sexy and she's yeah. like, and it's like very clear that she wants to like get with him. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, all right, I have a lot of questions. Okay, but, but first, I'm let me just finish this. Yes. Gilchrist also gets blah, 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 gets a chance to meet with the low love of his life who got away along with her husband and two kids. On the island, he discovers himself. And then apparently there are visions of Hawaiian gods and they throw a sacrifice into a volcano. So they they cut a lot of that. There are, I mean, you have There's that part the one where the, scene. And yeah. you also have the kid talking about yes. the yes. arrival, but which I, never pays off. It never pays off. And I feel like there might have been a more supernatural version of this story that he was told, like, you, you can't do this. But it's I don't know. bizarre because it feels like he handed in that script and they were like, this is a little too weird. It's a little too complicated. Let's pare it down. And he pared it down 20% and they were like, you have a green light. <laughs> and he should have right. pared it down like 70%. Uh, he, he, I, 20% is high. I mean, 8%. We're talking yeah. talking computer I mean, and fucking throwing a ghost into a volcano. There are about the talking possibly computer. ghosts in this movie, though. 100%. Yeah, no, no. I but mean, they're not like a prominent part, which in a way makes it weirder. Right. I don't know. But I don't know. I think if maybe. you're a ghost movie, fucking own being a ghost movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, be yeah. a ghost movie. Yeah. Yeah. Not like a quasi rom com slash. I don't know. Right. I don't um, know. I, all, all I was trying to say was at that point in the film, I guess Resource One had not been cast to play that part when they announced Emma Stone. Who knows? Who knows? It wasn't clear. You know, the ethnic background. Like, I remember, at least in my memory, and I was Googling to try to figure out this timeline, the trailer didn't sort of imply her heritage at all. No, 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 no. It no, was no. that was definitely was something the first wave of critics saw. Yeah, yeah. when they the preview like, screenings, shit. they were like, "P.S. I, her character is Chinese but, and Hawaiian." Like, but they held it off. Like no one saw the movie until like the week it came out, maybe two week weeks before. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, they were not like proudly showing this movie. No, and the film was released. Uh, when was it released? Oh no, May 29th. It had yeah. been pushed back. It was supposed to come out Christmas the previous year. In 2014, it was supposed yeah. to come out Christmas yeah. Day. And then in July of 2014, they pushed it back almost a full year. Yes. And it had already been shot like nine months earlier than the original date. So the movie was like coming out almost two years after it was shot. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I mean, it's a very interesting Emma Stone timeline, too. because And B-Coops. Well, and Emma, because I remember actually writing a piece for The Wire, Mm, R.I.P. Remember? um, In 2014, talking about like, how she needs something like better than Gwen oh, Stacy. I remember that piece. Mm-hmm. And 
it, I looked this up because I was like, huh, I want to remember what I had said. And it was supposed to be Birdman and Untitled Cameron Crowe Project coming right. out that winter. Right, right. Because best case scenario, she was going to have a Spielberg year, and it was going to be like yeah. she's going to get nominated for an Oscar for Birdman, and Which then she did, yes, and then she did. and then Aloha is going to be her big like movie star big romantic lead. comedy, and she also had a Woody Allen movie coming, out. right? Oh, yeah, um, her first of two. Yeah, her first of two. Why am yeah. I forgetting the name of this movie? Uh, Magic in the Moonlight. Magic in the because Moonlight. it has the I most forgettable it. title in the world. Yeah. yeah. You, I mean, I've seen Magic in the Moonlight. I have not seen Irrational Man, which she's also in. Right? I saw both. Irrational Man well, is better. Fine. It is better. It is 100% Magic better. Magic in the Moonlight yeah. isn't anything at all. I mean, Magic Irrational Man is sort of exists. interesting. Irrational Man's kind of interesting because it's a movie that hates itself. Yeah. It's like a movie that understands how disgusting it is. And it sort of understands, and it's sort of, if you like, whatever, it's a long tangent, but if you think about like, there's a self-criticism in it too yes. that's like, about a guy skirting responsibility. Yeah, and you're like, oh, okay. Whereas Magic in the Moonlight is about a guy who has to prove that a woman is a liar. Yes. Yes. Yes, and then also fuck her. And then, well, but, mm-hmm. and then he does, and her response is, let's marry or yep. whatever. Let's be together. Yep. And he's, yeah. Weird movie. Weird movie. Also, yep. he, also, Colin Firth is in yellow face in the first scene of that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's so buried under so many levels. <laughs> it is. It is. He's it's just playing someone no, who's... No, I know. Yeah. I know. It's just Colin Firth. I don't Firth. like it. Yeah, I'm not no. defending no, it. No, I'm not. You can defend it. It's, it there's movies okay, in which that Okay, I like it. There's a thread here that goes right back to Aloha, yes. unfortunately. Well, yes. <laughs> the funny thing is, though, like you say, Emma Stone had actually had a great 2014 because she got an Oscar nomination. Sure, Amazing Spider-Man 2 didn't really go And, and was coming off of doing Cabaret on Broadway, yeah. which was right. a very well-reviewed yeah. Bradley Cooper yeah. had an amazing 2014. He was in the biggest movie of the year. Yeah. And he was Rocket in Guardians. You know, he was like yeah. having fun, right? I mean, technically looking at the calendar because they counted American Sniper as a 2014 release, he had the first and third highest grossing films of right. that year and was coming off of three consecutive Oscar nominations acting categories, and then additionally a fourth Oscar nomination for producing American yeah. Sniper. So he's like, really? I mean, at that point it felt like he's now the guy. It's inarguable. Well, sure. I, so, Even so, though we kept arguing with it. So Stone was cast in this movie, I believe, in 2012. Makes sense. Okay, um, so that would have been right after the first Amazing Spider-Man? Right. Um, I don't know when Cooper signed on to it. I, I couldn't quite, I, I don't remember. Um, mm-hmm. But I believe- I'll try and find it. But I believe, like, this is a sort of an interesting move for her because it's, like, after the first Amazing Spider-Man, she's, like, has her franchise. She hasn't quite had, like, she's had Easy A. She's been, like, sort of... October 2012 is when he was there. Okay, okay. So it feels like this looks to her, like, obviously it hadn't quite come out yet, but this could be, like, a Silver Linings playbook moment for her. Uh-huh. I feel like this is, like, it hadn't come out yet, but I feel like this is, like... She signs on to do it thinking like, okay, great. Like, I'm going to be the lead in a Cameron Crowe movie and still still sort of trying to find that, like, one thing that hits for her. Here's the thing. All of what you guys are saying makes sense. But Cameron Crowe had not made – I don't care if you even don't want to make fun of him. He hadn't made that movie in 15 years. Agreed. Like, they're wanting – like, they're thinking like, oh, he's going to get me this movie, Crow. I mean, because he's done it before. But he hasn't done it. Okay, but I think Cameron Crow. I think actors signing on to a Cameron Crow movie are holding out the same kind of hope that me as, like, a diehard Cameron Crow fan hold on to every time he announces a new thing, which is, like, maybe this is the one where he gets it back. Right. Did they read the script of the movie? I don't know. <laughs> it's about the militarization of space. Here's a situation 
I, I, because I was watching this film as like uh, an actor who was embarrassed by most of the things I've been in, right? <laughs> On a very different sure. scale with no like career to maintain or whatever. Yeah. But I was like, okay, so you put aside the fact that like they offer you this script, right? Uh, the script makes no sense. Right. But they're saying, do you want to go to Hawaii? You work yeah. with Cameron Crowe, who's no. like yeah, an important we got filmmaker, yeah. whether we got, or not he's at his yeah, peak. Right. And you get to work with all these actors. On that level, it's like, why wouldn't I do this, right? If you're Danny McBride, why wouldn't you do it? Oh, totally yeah. get it. Totally okay, get but then it. you go into like Bradley Cooper and Emma Stone where it's like, well, they have, they're at these tipping points where it's like they have been like, you yeah. know, deemed like potentially the next great movie stars. And they're just circling around this thing. And, and if you're in the zone that they're in in 2012, it's like, well, you definitely have it right now. But some people have it for two years and then it never comes back. And some people do enough work over a period of time that they become iconic well, and legendary. And, like, Julia Roberts hasn't made a movie that anyone's loved in a very long time. But Julia Roberts will never stop being Julia Roberts. Right. Well, but Emma Stone is so similar to her. But she's yes. never had – we've had this discussion before. And this is the whole thing. This is what <laughs> like, I think makes Aloha so fascinating. Yeah. And, and it ties that. into what you're saying, David. Yeah. Which is – there's always this conversation about, like, why don't we have bankable female stars anymore? Mm-hmm. And it's because the thing that made bankable female stars were romantic comedies and dramas, mm-hmm. which studios aren't making in a big way anymore. They're not making enough. Yeah. Jennifer Lawrence got so lucky that she had Silver Lines Playbook, yeah. which was, like, an $18 million Miramax right. Weinstein and a Company movie. Yeah. But, right. Well, but that she had both yeah. in one and year. And it's the right franchise. But the yes. fact that, like, Silver Lines Playbook worked— that it connected that way, that yeah. it made that much money, that it got those Oscars that she won. It was like, it gave her that clout, but then she hasn't made a movie like that since then other than the other David the, O. Russell movie. The thing about Stone that's interesting, though, too, is that like she obviously was searching for this through these sort of old paths that don't yes. work anymore because it's like Woody Allen and Cameron Crowe, who, I mean, Blue Jasmine is sort of like an outlier at this point, but like in terms of these movies that he's mm-hmm. been making... And the parts that he'd be writing for an Emma Stone type, not the right choice. And same with like a Cameron Crowe thing. But this is my read of the situation. I feel like the people who used to have it and don't have it anymore, but had it in such a large scale way, Mm -hmm. are the only people who can get a movie like this made anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a young upstart who is Cameron Crowe, who he was 20 years ago who can get a movie like this made on this scale mm. with these actors and a studio budget, you know? Yeah. I think the only people they're willing to take a chance on are people who made Hannah and Her Sisters or, you know, right. or made Jerry Maguire yeah. or whatever, who made a human story that connected, like, in a way like that, a movie star-based, like, human sort of right. bittersweet dramedy. And that's that's the problem, is they're, like, only giving the chances to people who have lost the touch. They're not creating an environment where anyone new can develop their voice. And you look at if it does happen, it happens in something like EZA because teen movies are like a programmer. Mm-hmm. They have a genre. Oh, yeah. And someone can pop being like a teen star or in a YA franchise. But then if you're a young actress and now you're in your mid-20s and you want to get that thing that takes you to the next level, it's like that movie doesn't really exist. No. You bet on doing like the Sundance version of that. Which right. is like, uh, you're probably working with a first-time filmmaker with limited budget. Who knows if it's going to work, this and that. And, like, at this point, when you're making independent, like, Sundance, you know, films where you're aiming to get into Sundance. That's the goal. You're not, like, an esoteric, like, fucking art house director. Right. You're trying to make, like, Sundance, Angelica, like, summer, you know, you know, uh, alternative Fox Searchlight comedies. You have enough investors that they're actually having as much creative interference as a studio would. And it's hard to get that through in a weird way, more interference because you're not dealing with you're dealing with independent investors and financers rather than a studio who at least has experience making movies. (laughs) 
a lot of times. Yeah. You know? And so it's very hard for someone like Emma Stone to find her thing. And you get people like Emma Stone who are just stuck in this neither here nor there where it's like everyone kind of loves her. There's like no one arguing that she's not like a great actress and a great movie star, but she doesn't really have the things that show it. I would argue that she's not a great actress. I don't think she's a great actress. I think she's a very good actress. I maybe overstated she, a little bit. She's a promising actress. I think she's yeah. a very good actress. I don't know if she's done anything that, no. I mean, yeah. makes me think she's a good Not actress. in five years. Like, I mean, certainly I at the start a, of her career, I think it was she's like, great, oh, you know, this I also, is someone to watch out for. But I also think it's like, a, she's a great personality. And she's a great she's actress in terms movie. of, yeah. you know, charisma and stuff like that. But in terms of playing levels um, and doing different things. Maybe La La Land will change everything. Well, but see, I feel like La La Land might be the exactly right thing That's for her. Hope. Yeah. I feel like La La Land, if it is good is mm-hmm. like it's a musical she can sing she can dance she can be charismatic and she probably doesn't have to do something that is wildly away from like what she is as a person and an entertainer yes yeah that's I don't know. the hope yeah I don't know man I don't know my, that's my about La La Land or just about everything oh I definitely don't know about <laughs> La La Land I just I mean I have to see that to believe it I'm sorry I'm just, you can't convince me that's going to be good. I, I want it to be good. I, I want it to I, be so good. I don't necessarily I, have faith in it yet, I but I just want it to be, be good. I think Arch is like my key thing. And yeah, like, and I, I love and Arch I, shit. I'm fine with Arch, but I just yeah. don't think it'll connect on a broader level if it is. Yeah. It, right. I don't know. It's just, I think it just looks like a tough sell. A real tough sell. Yeah, although, although the uh, internet was crushing real hard in it. They like the trailer. Yeah. Remember she when she was in Crazy Stupid Love in 2011? Oh, she's really good in that. And that's that's an attempt to make uh, you know, a pretty broad rom-com. But she's also like supporting in that. I mean, that's a movie yeah. where it's like two different romances and the men in the romances are definitely the two leads. That movie you know? is a mistake. It's Crazy Stupid Love. She's very good in that. Yeah, I I I definitely saw it and I remember her being charming. Yeah. I don't yeah. It's not a movie that stuck with me. No. What's the matter, Esther? I was just I feel like she's made a lot of mistakes. Well, yeah. here's her here's her run, you okay. know. Super bad. That's she's out. She's out in the world, right? Boom. And then like supporting roles in like The Rocker and The House Bunny and Ghosts of Girlfriends. I like Pass. The House Bunny. And House say, Bunny's cute, but like these are supporting roles. I'll say this, that run of supporting roles through to Zombieland is right. kind of what makes me really like take notice of her because in all of them she's playing totally different characters. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that those early true. films she's not doing the movie star thing. She's yeah. actually doing like like and and her Nerd in House Bunny is very different than her nerd in Ghost of Girlfriend's past. They're very specific and both attuned to the films. As someone who has unfortunately seen both I have House not Bunny and seen Ghost, Ghost of Girlfriend's of Girlfriend past. She's really good then, in House Bunny. Yeah. Then you got Zombieland, which so like she's... And she plays a badass in that and, it's, yeah. and she plays it as a real human being and not as like a fucking stock figure and she's good in it. And then you got Easy A and it's like she gets the Golden Globe nomination Pop. everyone's like, yeah, right, right? We're cooking Pop. with gas here, right? Yeah. And then, well, she's not, she's barely in Friends at Benefits. That's, yeah, she has count. two seconds. She's the breakup at the beginning yeah. of the film. So yeah, in it's 2011, Crazy Stupid Love, eh. I think people were excited, but it doesn't go anywhere. And then The Help, well, that movie, which she's well, I, the I mean, worst thing about, but like it's not really her well, fault. I disagree with that. I think she's good in it. And I think The Help is the first time you see her being like, okay, like let me find this thing that's going to Sorry. like make yeah, me serious. Apology accepted. Uh, I think The Help, her performance in The Help ruins the movie. I disagree with that. Because she's playing it like she's from now. She's not playing it like she should. She's not playing it like someone in the 60s. I think the movie ruins the movie. Well, I mean, I think she was poorly directed by Tate Taylor. I, I, Tate 
have Hail. seen that movie once. I will never watch it ever again. Goodbye. But while watching it, I remember thinking that I thought she was very good in it. I, I think, think the movie. You like bad. Emma Stone? I do like Emma yeah. Stone. I'm not even trying to fight that. <laughs> right. You just you're you're rooting for Emma Stone. I'm rooting for her real hard. Uh, Crazy Stupid Love. To say it didn't do anything for her, I think, is a little untrue because a it did well. Did it? It did like seventy five or eighty, I think, domestic. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and B, everyone was sort of talking about the the Gaza Stone. Domestic. Thank you. Pretty good. Uh, and for a movie nobody likes. Eighty five domestic. For and a movie that costs very little. Fifty million dollars. How much did it make overseas? Another like. I don't know. It like clears like 130 or okay, and I guarantee you know, it's well on home video. That's a home video movie. That's a fucking Redbox movie. No, I'm just saying 50 mil for that. I remember Does there take being place in like three houses. It's got like yeah, but it's got like a ton <laughs> of actors. In. Uh, I remember there being a lot of excitement over the Gosling Stone chemistry. There still was... is so much excitement. They right. have well, not like made them. a good movie together. No, but to say but Gangster pe- Squad. <laughs> yeah, but people love them together. They do. They're they're but hot. Yeah, so to say it did nothing for her isn't really accurate because there was this thing of like, okay, we got something bottled here. There is somewhere a great Ryan Gosling Emma Stone movie. It's also I feel like she her her staying power is largely because of gifts as well. Interesting. Like I the feel young like person. This, what this is the young person's angle. Oh, this is this <laughs> this is my this is my sort of theory is that like she has a staying power for having been in like this you know not like n- nothing that has really been like oh my god like amazing. Uh-huh. Because she is all over the inst- internet constantly. she There's that eye roll gif from Easy A. There's like, I'm not sure, you know, you have, I think, like, her jumping on Ryan Gosling in Crazy Stupid Love. You look like you're photoshopped. Yeah, right. you look like you're yeah. photoshopped, which maybe isn't a gif, but like more of a Well, clip. the gif with the little. Yeah, with the little thing. a line they really tried to sell, the photoshop line. Remember, that was like their trailer. Right. Line. They sold it. I bought it. <laughs> and then there's like the Jimmy Fallon um, uh, lip sync battle thing, which she oh, right. t- she made take off. I love and there's how Jimmy all Fallon I do is has win. celebrities on his show and stuff. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say about that. Sorry, carry on. But like the like her doing like all <laughs> yeah, I, I do you, is ben. win is like a huge. Wait, I'm sorry. Who did you hear? Ben. He was he was laughing at my Fallon joke. Producer Ben. Who? The Ben Deucer? The poet laureate. Mr. Hositive? Hositive? Mr. Hositive. We can buy him. I know, I know. The Poet Laureate? Yeah. The Peeper? Mm. The Tiebreaker? Mm-hmm. Birthday Benny? Yeah, recently. Do not call him Professor Crispy. Dare no. you, sir. Do call him the fuck master. Please. You want? Over time, he has graduated to different titles. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> such as <laughs> Producer Ben Kenobi, mm-hmm. Kylo Ben, right. Ben Night Shyamalan, Ben Sate. We recently concluded a poll. We're tabulating the results and and are going to confer about what his title is going to be at the end of this. Um, wish him a, a hearty uh, aloha fennel, ladies and gentlemen, Ben Hosley. Guys, what an episode so far! I all Emma Stone, yeah. no aloha. Yeah, and I don't, I just don't follow the biz like y'all. <laughs> so uh, I've got really nothing to add. Uh, we should really get to Aloha. Yeah, yeah. but let me just give you her twenty. 20- well, also, I did cut off Esther because. Well, she was. She. I didn't know Ben was in the studio. I, I didn't win. know. I was surprised no, no. that Ben and, was in hey, the studio. And I'll just say this: I too, David, like when Jimmy Fallon has celebrities on the show. <laughs> we agree. Yep. Well, you did, know what's really cool? What? It's that everything they're doing is just so great, so great, it's so relatable. Uh, I never knew that celebrities could play beer pong before, dude. And they're really good at it sometimes. And that's like me. 
We've had two Tonight Show writers as guests on this we show. We have. I was, I was uh, yeah. yeah. Well, you know. Uh, Esther, what were you going to say? I was just going to say that she lives, she has this like strong internet presence that is not necessary, that is tied to her movies, but only sort of tangentially. Is she on the Twitter or anything like she's that? She she's no. not. She's not on the Twitter. But it's similar to Jennifer, no, no, Jennifer Lawrence yeah, yeah, yeah. in that like. She is no, no, she's just a, 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 a sector presence, of the internet. Yeah. I, and I think she's sort of become, in a small sector, a sort of a, a generational spirit animal. Yes. A lot of young 100%. women, especially like teenage girls. I mean, my sister who's younger, I feel like really feels like, yeah, oh, Emma definitely. Stone like, represents And they grew up I, and they saw yeah. EZA when they yes. were 10, and so that yes. was a big one for them or whatever. And 100%. they were running to see Aloha, probably. Nobody ran to see this movie. Uh, so in 2012, she has The Amazing Spider-Man, where she's unfortunately overshadowed by Dennis Leary. And then Gangster <laughs> Giving the best performance of 2012. Correct. And then Gangster Squad in 2013, which is like, I mean, like a huge bomb. That's actually a movie that doesn't exist. <laughs> it really is. That really is a movie it that It came out on exist. December 32nd or something. Like, that's the, that's how that's how much it doesn't exist. Warner Brothers tried to get, like, fucking, like, they they bought that book and they were like, this is a huge film. And they offered it to, like... Aronofsky, Affleck, Eastwood, like yeah, all their weird. biggest guys. Yeah. And then they were like, Ruben Fletcher. Yeah. And then well, he assembles, he, the zombie lane guy, he assembles right? an incredible cast, and then the movie doesn't fucking exist. Well, I mean, there is a reason, another reason outside of the movie itself for the movie not fucking existing, which is The Dark Knight Rises and the shooting. And it was yes. about to come oh, out right. right during that. And they had to period. push it. And they had yeah. to push it because there because was literally a, th- a shot in the trailer where they pop out of a movie screen shooting yes. guns at the audience. Yeah. And, the, and, and in the movie as well, which I believe they had to remove. Yes. Right. So it came out in January, right? Yeah, they, they had pushed to reshoot. It to January. Yeah. And they were like, but the other the weird thing about that is like, they were like, this is a big movie. And then it came out in January and it got 0% like good yeah. reviews. And it's it was never a good movie. That's what it's. No. It's that, it that, was it was never either. Do you know what the name of that movie was? Gangster Squad. Yeah, I an eight year old would write a title like a movie with that title. Yeah, Gangster Squad. Josh Brolin, Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone, <laughs> Anthony Mackie, Giovanni Rabisi. Oh boy! Uh, and then and she's in movie. Then she's in movie forty three in the Crudes. So I mean, obviously, upswing there. Yeah, I mean, she's great in the Crudes. <laughs> and then Ma- Amazing Spider Man two. Which is another movie that doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Isn't it crazy how we just forgot that movie existed? That's not true. I mean, it exists in the same way that Freddy Krueger exists and that it, it sneaks into my dreams and stabs me. Um, and then you- Magic in the Moonlight. Like, that's a bad run. That yes. isn't objectively hard. And then, you know, she gets Birdman and that's supposed to be the bounce back. And let's know? also point out that during that run, Jennifer Lawrence jumps up like right. 17 Jennifer years. Lawrence is like the big, the, the, anointed the big star of her generation. And it feels a little bit like Jennifer Lawrence stole, like not, not stole, but got to the finish line before Emma Stone. Yeah. But got yeah. to the thing that they were both running towards and now is just lapping her. Uh, can you just quickly look up what Emma Stone's character's name is in the Crudes? It's Eep Crude. Okay. <laughs> Glad I had that for you. And then so Birdman, so as we were saying, Birdman does well. Okay. Yeah. She gets an Oscar nomination. Great. Here comes Aloha. Oh, no. Oh, no. Because oh, no-ha. we're fascinated with this movie. And oh, I think. Noha? Mm hmm. One comedy point. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but uh, she got the most shit for this movie, right? Uh, yes, which I. Uh... Okay, so I was talking it's about unavoidable. This. She's yes. going to get the most shit for this. I movie. was talking about this with uh, a friend of the podcast, friend of my life, Sophie Fader, who I invoke many times. Great person, because uh, she's uh, my my voice of reason in my life, and uh, she was saying like just you know ha- having not seen the film, I was telling her like oh yeah I gotta go watch Aloha tonight. Uh, 
she was like, what do you do if you're Emma Stone in that situation? What do you do? Say, what do you do if I you're... can't play this character as written. I can't be Hawaiian oh. and Jamaican. I mean, <laughs> Chinese. <laughs> Why did I say Jamaican? <laughs> that would be amazing if she was like, I'm half Jamaican, half Hawaiian. Yeah. And then, and then. <laughs> oh, boy. Go on, and then half Swedish, so that negates everything. Yeah, right. Yeah, I like that you had to pick like the we the whitest, yeah. the weedest. I mean, how else? Yeah, do you right. explain? Yeah. She's Swedish. white. Never She's right. a yeah. very white woman. So Remember white. the part of the movie where she shows a picture of her parents? <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so but the problem is, and it, as you're saying, how what do you do if you're Emma Stone? They offer you the film. They go, "Hey, Emma Stone, here it is on your desk." Maybe you meet with Cameron Crowe first, and you're a fan of Cameron Crowe, and you go meet with him, and then they send you the script, and you read it, and they go. $5 million on the table. The role is yours if you want it. But there are other people. My my question, though, is, yeah. like, there are other people in between her and Cameron Crowe. Probably. Yes. In terms of, and doesn't someone, I mean, I, I probably not because Hollywood is so fucked up in terms of this. But, like, doesn't someone look at the script and go, huh, this character's name is Allison Ng. Huh. She has a whole speech about how she is Chinese and Hawaiian. Um. Emma, like, maybe we should think about this. The the terrible reality is all no. those people read it and they think that and they go, yeah, but we need a bankable name. I'm trying to find his apology because he wrote like. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah. So he, uh, but the, the other I, problem I was going to say is like, it'd be one thing and it would still be a big problem uh-huh. if the character was presented as being Hawaiian for some reason, but. That was that. I don't know. But right. like the other thing is like she's obsessed with Hawaiian culture. And trying to prove to everyone. In a, yeah. In an upsetting way. Yeah. In a we- I mean, the movie strikes you when you're watching is like, this is feels like a very touristy movie yep. that is taking yeah. very broad tropes about Hawaiian culture. It's white man's Hawaii. And yeah. kind of just like, you know, like, like a movie like The Descendants, which I don't like. I don't like tr- it either. Doesn't try to do this quite as badly. Whereas the, I mean, no, and they at least go. He's like eight he's generations away. Well, and well, and the also he's being presented as like a white land baron in Hawaii, yeah. and yes. there's like some tension to that. Yeah. Whereas this is like a bunch of white people come to Hawaii to like, tr- you know, truck with the for savages. a gay blessing. Yeah, to get a gay yeah. blessing out of them. Yeah. And what's a gay blessing? I mean, I mean, I think <laughs> I figured it out now. <laughs> but um, I think I've maybe figured this movie out. Oh, well, I'm excited to hear that in one okay. second. But the fact that she is, like, the gatekeeper of Hawaiian culture in the movie, yes. that she is the one who, like, delivers all this information and, like, I don't know, seems so obsessed with... It's it's so bad. It's, like, such an absolutely disastrous idea. Okay, you want my ranking of solutions in order? Yes, please. Number one, hire an actress of Hawaiian descent. Or hire an actress with some Asian heritage. Because, like, his whole idea for the character is that she looks white and, right. but has Hawaiian heritage. And Cameron Crowe said in his apology that the fact that she keeps on pushing it so much was meant to be a joke because he knows someone he claims who is a quarter Hawaiian and doesn't look it at all and always is bragging about it. Not bragging about it, but always talking about how proud she is of it. And that was supposed to be the joke. In the film, it feels like them explaining away the problem. It doesn't play as a joke at all. And if it was a joke, it'd be a fucked up joke. Yeah. Yeah, saying that it's a joke doesn't make it better. No, but it also definitely doesn't play as a joke. Like, no. the, if the joke had worked, it still would be, if it felt comedic, it still would be shitty. But it also doesn't feel comedic watching the film. No. It's yeah. double shitty. Yeah. Because they failed doing a shitty thing. His apology is not good. No, it's bad. And I remember it at the time being not good, and I'm rereading it now, and it's not good. Because he's basically like, 
you know, he's explaining this idea that, oh, you know, she's supposed to look white because that's the character and she's based on a real person, quote unquote, you know, whatever the fuck that means. Yeah. And then he's like, but we did employ a lot of Hawaiians. And, and I'm like, he keeps on he bragging talks about, about Bumpy. Bumpy. But it's like, yeah, you employed some Hawaiian actors who are very low on the cast list. Yeah. And don't do much. Right. And then, like, are you saying you employed some crew guys? I mean, like, what, what's his argument? Like, how dare you? I came to Hawaii and, like, well, gave them jobs. Who's above the title on this movie? Bradley Cooper, Emma Stone, Rachel McAdams, Bill Murray, Danny McBride, Alec Baldwin, John Krasinski. John Krasinski. Those are the people above the title. Seven names. Seven names above the title. And then even when you go below that, I think the next couple of names are the two kids. You have Bill, Bill Camp. Camp, right? You know? I mean, mm-hmm. it's like Michael Chernis, who plays his friend uh, on the other side of the phone. Like, I mean, you probably have to go like 12 or 13 names deep in this film. It, Bumpy is the highest, and he's playing himself. Right. And, and he's uh, on a shared title card with three to four other actors. Oh, boy. Bad idea. Number two, I think, solution is, uh, you know, I mean, these two are tied, I'd say. I'd say number two is uh, don't make her Hawaiian. No. If you want to no. cast Emma Stone, then you have to pick one or the other. It doesn't have anything to do with the movie in exactly. the end of the day. Right. It really doesn't. It if doesn't it, play into the story much at all. You have to pick all. one or the other. Either the character's Hawaiian or you want to work with Emma Stone. Right. Yeah. Those two things are mutually exclusive. Yeah. I think the third option oh boy. is uh, she was raised in Hawaii. She is white with white mm-hmm. parents, and she feels attached to the culture, but you never have her claim that she's Hawaiian. Not a great no. option, though. Because Not a great option. It's a, but you already third. have that in the kids. Exactly. What about option four? Don't make the movie. Vanilla <laughs> Sky. I'm two. sorry. Vanilla Sky. Vanilla Sky two. two. Open your eyes. That's the subtitle. Yeah. Eyes wide open. Eyes wide open. That'd be a good good sequel because With he made a movie eyes called wide open. He made a movie called Eyes Wide Shut. Cruise. So Vanilla Vanilla Sky Two, Eyes Wide Open. It's a combo sequel. It's like MIB twenty three. <laughs> That's never going to happen, right? I just no. read an interview with Jonah the, Hill. Where, yeah, the where Jonah he was Hill. Like, That's not actually going to happen. That's, That's the thing. stupidest idea I ever heard. Another like, thing it's is so that funny. those two movies are both Aloha and MIB 23 are both like integral in the Sony hacks. Yeah. Yes. This movie is like the fulcrum of so many different like things. I, we're really, we really don't want to talk about this movie. Yeah. <laughs> How long have we been going, Ben? 42 minutes. Okay, that's the end of our episode. So the plot of the movie, yeah, and this is crazy for Cameron. Let's see Crow, if you can pull it off. Is that a disgraced former Air Force pilot, military? I don't actually U.S. military. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's disgraced. Well, you're still saying that he. I used know to Cameron be Crow wrote a movie about someone who's disgraced, and now he's haunted by his failures. Yeah. Okay. He comes to Hawaii to organize a traditional gate blessing. Now he's a military. Contractor. Yes, he works for a billionaire called Carson Welch, played, played by, by Bill, Bill Murray. Murray. In a really locked-in, engaged performance from Bill Murray. Can I say, I think this- It honestly thinks like, it's like they bow-fingered him. Like, they just sort of like, you know, would like corner him with a camera, and you'd be like, huh? The most damning thing I can say about this movie is that Emma Stone plays an Asian person. The second most <laughs> damning thing I can say about this movie is this film has provided what I think is the only Bill Murray performance that just doesn't even register. It's a waste of him. But it's not even like, I've seen him be worse I mean, in I movies. didn't see like Rock the Casbah. I've seen Rock the Casbah. And how is it? It's not good. <laughs> I've seen him be worse in films. Yeah, he can be bad. But usually it's bad in a way that's kind of intriguing. You know, he just doesn't, I forget he's in this movie. Yeah. 
He's but like he vaporware. Dances and it's quirky. He, he is briefly quirky. And can I give them two points? His look is great in this movie. The look is fine if he did anything. Yeah. No, his performance just doesn't exist. Much like uh, Gangster Squad. It's the Gangster Squad of performance. Oh, was he in Gangster Squad? No. no. But he embodies Gangster Squad as Carson Wells. <laughs> so uh, his name's Gilchrist, Bradley Cooper's character. Brian Gilchrist. Gilchrist. Uh, so, yes. So he's in Hawaii to yeah. organize this gate blessing. I guess. He was stationed there for a while. So he knows about Hawaii. I guess that's why he's been sent there. He's got history. He also has roots in the form of an old flame. Now, you might also think, hey, a military contractor is a lot of money. They wanted to organize something in Hawaii, and they might hire a Hawaiian guy. Nope, they just hired a white yep. guy who... No, they hired a disgraced military officer. Yep. So he's in Hawaii. Yes, he has well, an so old... Well, also blown up in Afghanistan, I believe. Yeah, he was blown up in Afghanistan. And you know that because everyone tells him that he looks terrible. And yes. God, if I could only look that terrible on a daily basis. <laughs> Indeed. He's got a limp. But guess what? He's still Bradley Cooper. Uh, he's got a weird toe. He's got a weird toe, which we see later. Yeah. Spoiler alert, weird toe. Yeah. Uh, so he's in town for the gate blessing. And yeah, he's got an old flame, Rachel McAdams. The great Rachel McAdams. Another person who I think is a victim of the thing we were talking about at the beginning of this film. And now he's just got to the other side of it where it's like... Well, it's too late. Like, now it's not going to happen, so she's just going to have a good career being a supporting actress and I mean, stuff. she was great in Spotlight. Yeah, and she got an Oscar nomination. And she got an Oscar nomination. Look, and I think she'll probably be great in other movies. She's I agree. not in this. But, but I She's think not she, bad in this. I think she's now resigned to being a supporting actress. Yeah. I think she had to, like, fucking accept that, like, the vehicles that would have existed for her in the 90s, would have existed for her in the 70s, would have existed for her in the 30s, sure. aren't fucking happening. Nope. And now you have four new women who are waiting for those vehicles no, to happen, and it's also is, not going to happen for them. That is true. So McAdams is his ex-girlfriend who he broke up with when she went on vacation and he didn't join her. She asked him to go on a vacation with him to talk about the status of their relationship. Just what you want in a vacation. He says that is antithetical <laughs> to what I want out of a vacation. Sure, why not get a cup of coffee, you know, and then decide whether or not to go on vacation. Right. Uh, I, like... Whatever. I, here's the thing. The movie's trying to position him as an asshole. It is. It fails. He definitely... Well, I think he's not a likable guy in the movie. But that situation, I'm like, yeah, I hear you. I wouldn't want to go on a vacation <laughs> that's probably him. a breakup. The way she positioned it to him, it's like, hey, do you want to go to a tropical location and then enact the plot of forgetting Sarah Marshall? Right. And he was like, no, I didn't like that I movie. Don't it's a do 6.5 at a best. Yeah. Well, okay, so now she's married to another guy in the military who flew Gilchrist into Hawaii, and they yeah. have two kids. So she's around. Lieutenant John Krasinski. That's his Woody. Name. Woody. And as he lands, having been flown in by Woody Krasinski, mm -hmm. as he lands on the fucking tarmac. That is a weird choice that Rachel may decide to make Woody the brother of actor John Krasinski. <laughs> I know. It's really weird, but it's canon. It's canon. And he says, his first line is, my brother John was in the office. He's like, yeah, yeah no, I know. Yeah, yeah. You look just like you him. Look you look like, like John Krasinski <laughs> from The Office and Licensed to Wed. Who made brief interviews with hideous men. Yeah, directed that film. Yeah, yeah. Who's married to Emily Blunt? Yeah, I know your brother, John Krasinski. <laughs> He's to Emily he doesn't look in the camera, though. No. He should have. But that's the difference between John and Woody. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess. I John looks yeah. a man in the eyes. No, right. John looks a camera in the eyes. Woody looks right, a man in the anyway, eyes. Fuck you, whatever. Anyway. So <laughs> Fuck he, you, negative He comedy, lands please. on the tarmac. John Krasinski flies him in there. From one angle, Rachel McAdams shows up, and she's like, God, it's great to see you. It's been 13 years. We really need to talk about this. Uh, yeah, it gives him a salute. 
And Esther, then, for our listeners at home, Esther's giving the sharpest salute of all time. And then fucking Emma Stone buzzes in from the other angle and is like, sir, yes, sir, I'm here for you like, sunglasses. to organize this gate blessing Not sunglasses. Not a hair out of place. She's Allison Ng. Oh, boy. It's like ring, but without the R or the I. It's like, I don't know if maybe he was told to cut things down, but it's just trying to throw everything on the plate right away. I think there was probably 15 minutes cut out And of he's this like movie. barking every, he's and like. he like moves the camera, he circles the camera around Okay, them. I like that. You, you like that? I like that. Shot by Eric Gautier, who uh, shot the Motorcycle Diaries and uh, yeah, other, I, other good movies. I do think there's some interesting visual stuff going on in this movie. But it goes away. It goes away. The beginning's a lot more interesting than the I would say that's true, yeah. It does. It is an initially kind of visually interesting. And yeah. you forgot to mention that it opens with the same opening Cameron Crowe has used well, in a voiceover. four of his last five films, where there's a voiceover and like a photomontage of different like stock footage and photographs of the characters and, and explaining like a, the background. And a view from space, which he also well, uses in Jerry Maguire. The whole movie's about the sky. It's about the sky. David, the, the movie is about not the sky. about anything. The movie's about, about the sky. sky. So the movie... <laughs> Good job, guys. I, I'm going to fight this. You can say whatever you want about Aloha, about it being shitty, and I will support you in that. But the movie is about something. It's about the, the sky. sky. And who owns it? David, who owns the sky? Nobody owns the sky. Thanks to a Bill space, Murray cannot buy the sky. Thanks to a space treaty signed in the 1960s, uh, the sky is free from military interference. Nobody can claim it, right? Yeah. So that's one plot element, mm-hmm. the, 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 the militarization of space. Yeah. And then another plot element is getting this gate blessing ready. Got to get that gate blessing. Then plot element three is will he fuck Stone? And plot element four is will he fuck McAdams? Probably not, but they definitely need to chat. See, I feel like there's no, for me watching the film, because the way the trailer was cut together. Well, you got to say that there's no plot because that's kind of accurate. There's a lot of plots about this guy. <laughs> The, well, a sky plot. I think this movie has too much plot. Um, oh, right, that's what I'm saying. It yeah. like sort of throws a lot out there, and then it doesn't know what to do. Yes. Yeah. You look at something like Jerry Maguire, which has a lot of things going on in it, but all of them come down to like a basic theme. You know what I'm saying? Like you could, in essence, sum Jerry Maguire up in one sentence, and you wouldn't perfectly describe every element no, of the sure, film, but sure. you would describe common threads that connect you them all. You could do that for a lot of his movies. Yeah. This film has a lot of disparate elements. Yes. And you just imagine that like he spent like the 10 sky. plus Esther years. Esther just mouthed the sky to me. Esther. He spent 10 years, right, trying to Wait, find- hold the... on. Let me mouth something to Esther. I mouthed Esther 5 million comedy points. Great. Um, I, I think- it's just this. It feels like he read like three Vanity Fair articles. You know, he <laughs> yeah. read like one about the militarization of space, and he yeah. read one about like guys getting blown up in Afghanistan. He read one about you know Hawaiian gate blessing. But this is what's fascinating. He's like, about oh, that. this is all gonna work together. This is great. What's fascinating about the that? sky? He wrote this film over the fucking course of ten years. Yeah, he kept he kept revising it. It was called Deep Tiki, and there was a big deep tiki scene in it if, i don't know I if don't know this movie came means. out and they were like he wrote the script deep in six weeks sounds... it sounds deep tiki sounds gross deep tiki yeah. sounds yeah. like a porn thing. do you think the porn version of this is called deep tiki and like a yes. cute little nod to cinephiles yes yes it is and peter labuza is the only one who liked it um <laughs> shout out peter labuza <laughs> yeah um love you pete i uh i i feel like if you had told me he wrote the script, like, you know, sometimes filmmakers are like, the movie just came to me and I sure, wrote it in like wrote two it in weeks. six weeks. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, right. And I brought it in, they bought it. If you had told me that that had happened, like, straight off of Almost Famous or Jerry Maguire and this was the movie we got, I'd be like, I understand how this movie turned out this way. 
but to be like for 10 years he wouldn't give up on this script and clearly rewrote it you know probably because we like so fucking lost the computer and stuff (laughs) that like and and, you know in the, the sky yeah the big thing that came out of the sony hack was um was uh, Amy Pascal seeing the movie for the first time and complaining, going like, this is the last time we ever greenlight a movie with a script that doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter how much we love Cameron. It doesn't matter how much we love the actors. Can I read her actual remarks? Okay, so here's an email she sent uh, after like test screenings had gone on in Huntington Beach in New York. I love the way she writes emails, by the way. I know. It's this weird like haiku with these line breaks. Her her emails are incredible. It's an invasion of privacy, but it's also great. We should note that, yeah, Yeah, whatever. I agree. Score same as last time and way, way worse in NY. Referring to test screenings and the scores they get from the note cards they hand out to people. It's a wrap. There is no more to do. Cameron never really changed anything. People don't like people in movies who flirt with married people or married people who flirt, which... As a line is quite something. I don't yep. know if that's true. I feel like there must be examples that contravene that. Yes, and I have a lot to say on that subject, yeah. but let's go on. The satellite makes no sense. Fair. You're right about that, Amy. Yep. The gate makes no sense. Indeed. Fair. Mm-hmm. I'm never starting a movie again where the script is ridiculous and we know it. We all know it. <laughs> we all know it. We all know it, actually. Technically. Yeah. I don't care how much I love the director and the actors. It never line break. Not even once line break ever works. As much as I want movies, I, this is way worse. At least the marketing, blah, you know, like Scott, you know. So, and then she's complaining about Scott Rudin, who produced the movie for like not helping edit it, not helping like turn things around. Scott Rudin notoriously likes to. He protects the director. He you know? creates an igloo around the director, let them do what they want it. And she was sort of complaining, I think, that he created that igloo. And then when the chips were down and the film was in trouble, he didn't do anything to help it. Right. He should have probably recognized, like, this movie's not going to work. Especially unless. if he had prevented her from intervening creatively. Yeah. Right. And and the line, like, he didn't make, he didn't change anything is, like, well, clearly they were trying to get him to change stuff. But it does speak to, like, I mean, this is such an ultimate blank check movie because they were, like, the script doesn't make sense to us, but maybe we just don't get it. Yeah. Let's give him yeah. the money and assume that he gets it better than we do. Which did. makes sense if... For like, if it's Elizabethtown time, yes. but you would think by now they would be on their guard. Yes. I guess this script had been floating around basically that whole time anyway. So and I don't if know. you could attach these actors to, I mean, that's what, that's what she's saying. Uh, yeah. These actors are big, but they're not like you know. At that point in time, I think it was a good idea to bet on a Bradley Cooper, Emma Stone romantic comedy because they look like the next two people who are going to rise to the surface. In a lot of ways, it looks like a safe bet. Yes. But in a lot of ways, it's a movie in Hawaii starring a bunch of white people. And stacked with a supporting <laughs> cast like that. Yeah. Yes. And it's about the militarization of space. Which is It's insane. about the sky. It's about the sky, David. Just please stop being glib. <laughs> Wait, it's glib to say militarization of space? Yeah, that's fucking glib. It's about the sky. <laughs> it's about one thing, and that's the sky. One thing, and that's the sky. Anyway, uh, I think that... Um, it's weird because I'm always someone, not always someone, but someone who will most usually come down on the side of, like, let filmmakers make sure. what they want to make. You know, like, fucking Suicide Squad we discussed a couple weeks ago, which, which is like, I don't know if I would have liked David Ayer's vision of the film, but I hate watching the movie that is cobbled together from 20 different visions, including a trailer company. Right. Like, I'd rather watch the cohesive, coherent film that he wanted to make, oh, even if I hated it. you about what they cut out of that movie, though? Yeah. Oh, boy. Ugh. But I would have preferred that movie. I guess because so. it would have been I know what you're saying. a I know movie. What you're saying. Yeah. Do you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. And um, I I feel like this is a case where it's like you wish that the check hadn't been blank. You wish no, they had I mean, reined him in. He needs little. help. He needs well, help. Yeah. He needs help. I mean, I don't know. I'm a firm believer. I 
believe in, you know. The sky? I believe in the sky. I do really believe in the sky. But I also believe in editors. And I believe, I mean, and not just in film editors. I believe in, like, people sitting and going through your work and being like, uh, okay. And pushing back. back. Yeah. yeah. And clearly just no one was doing that. At least until it was too late. Yes. That is true. The movie does feel harshly edited in that it's not very long. It's about an hour and 40 minutes. And doesn't make any goddamn sense. So definitely something happened there. But I don't know if it was Cameron Crowe just kind of trying to like vainly tie things together. It feels like there's things missing. There's a lot missing from this movie. Because I basically, I just described the setup of the movie, which is like, guy arrives on Hawaii and there's a bunch of stuff he has to deal with. He has to deal with Gate Blessing, he has to deal with Bill Murray, he has to deal with Emma Stone, you know, like, but they're all kind of separate things. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they send him, like, well, so the whole... Well, and then the movie is, like, he deals with this for 20 minutes, and then he goes and he deals with this. Like, they're not really that connected. Yes. Um, but but it's also, I, I mean, the crux of the movie is the idea that, like, Carson Walsh wants to put this satellite in the sky. Yes, the billionaire. No one can own the sky, but no, uh, Hawaiian but... culture especially really values the sky, and it has this mythic power to them. And they need someone to mediate between the sort of uh, uh, Hawaiian, uh, you know, uh, elders. I mean, I... Well, it's between... Bumpy's the king? Bumpy kind of... They say? Yeah. Kind of Healy, who is like... He's the leader of a group called the Nation of Hawaii, which is like a sort of like... It's not explained. Yeah. It's not explained. It's (laughs) sort of like a Hawaiian independence movement that is sort of quasi-recognized like by international like law is like something that needs to be sort of in the same oh, way that's that interesting. we I'd like to see a movie about that interesting right <laughs> sort of in the same way we have like Native American and I'm sure I'm botching this because I'm this yeah. is like mostly off the top of my head but like I can probably read more about they're, it they're trying to get their blessing um, they're trying to get their blessing and so Gilchrist is like we'll give you two mountains and cell phone service now the audience has no idea what that means no. no. And there's also some part- and, But they also haven't explained the fucking gate at no, this no, point. No, no, they haven't no. explained anything. We don't know what the gate is. Yeah. I don't think we ever know. There's I mean, one there's line one, at the end of the film. There's one newscaster at the end of the film who's t- when they're blessing the gate as well that's talking about that they're building some sort of- They're building some sort of- um, I'm forgetting actually what they're building, honestly. I, I failed. I caught a line. It was earlier in the film. Okay. There's one line where I think uh, Baldwin is yelling at him about fucking blowing oh, okay. up the satellite. Yeah, that's it's about two-thirds of the way through yeah. the movie. Yeah, and he says, like, this military gate, and he, like, makes it clear quickly that it would be, like, an Air Force gate, like a landing gate and a base, essentially. Right, right, that's what, yeah. That's, and that's what I think what the newscaster says, right. something along those lines, that there's going to be some sort of facility that Carson Welch is building yeah. as well. But I, I was, don't know. When you when you talk about gate, I don't know if I'm just like an idiot, but when you talk about gate that much in a film that's so much about like Hawaiian spirituality, I'm like, is it a gate to like the other side? Like, what it is it like a monument of a thing? Is it like an actual practical thing? Is it like what is it? You know, I will, and I kept googling like pedestrian gate blessing and pedestrian gate blessing Hawaii, and the only thing that comes up is this movie. Right. It's not the problem is that this movie has ruined any info you can find out about this stuff because it's just. Article after article that's like Emma Stone, like what is she doing in this movie or whatever, you know. I don't think like a, a Hawaiian gate blessing is like a tradition. I think that Doesn't he wants to make a way. film right. about the U.S. military and private contractors trying to build something new in Hawaii and looking for the approval 
of the locals. Yes. And in the process, words it in a way that makes it feel like there's something you're not getting. If he had right. gone new military base, we want your blessing on new military base. Sure. This movie would be 20% easier to follow. Well, yes. The other thing is, but that's, all right, so there's, like you said, maybe you would be interested to hear about, uh, to see a movie about the nation of Hawaii. Yeah. And yes. like Hawaiian independence. That and, would be very interesting. And like the natives of Hawaii and how they, you know, mm-hmm. that's, maybe you're interested in seeing a movie about how the military has to contract more and more things out and is more in the hands of like wacky billionaires like Bill Murray's character. Perhaps. And like that weird tension. I mean, look- it's not the most fascinating movie I ever like heard I don't of. I like but you whatever. stereotyping me as someone who wants to see that movie, but sure, I'll accept it. I'll accept the title. <laughs> For the purpose of what you're doing. For the purpose of what you're doing, fine. Oh I think it's a little reductive. You I know? like to think of myself as more than that. I'm a human being with many facets. And maybe like in either of those movies, you can have as well like a rom com subplot. See, that's or something. probably the movie I want to see the most. Well, right. It's just Camacro doing like a straight down the middle love story. But the love story in this is not enough. Like on its own, he definitely needs no. to embellish on it in some way. The because... love story I want to talk about as well, because yeah, we should talk about it. Because Emma Stone is is has a hard time being sexy because yeah, she is a fighter pilot, uh-huh. and she says, "How do you make I'm a fighter pilot sound sexy?" Right, which is baffling to me She's because also... their entire movie is about how male fire fighter pilots are very sexy. Uh, the motion picture Top Gun, Top Gun is which what... is about almost nothing else. Exactly, it's <laughs> called "Look at the Sexy Fire Pilot" the movie, and fighter, then they changed fighter, it. Fire, they fire, changed fire, it fire pilot. This guy, yeah, but fire when, pilot Virwet. But when Emma Stone says it. Because she's a girl, yes, she's not. She's can't be sexy, yeah. and so she's a sad, alone person. Well, right, and but who creepily has an interest in Brian Gilchrist from before she even right. meets she him. Right, she knows his life but, story. But, but, Esther, but also, me, she's yes. playing someone with a stick up her ass, and that's like, a, like that's like for half of the movie. That's a, it's a Doctor Who Mister Hyde thing. I mean, it switches from scene half. to scene when she's wearing minutes. the uniform. She's like right. straight up, and then she lets her hair down. In the next scene, she's like vivacious. Yes. But but Esther, I I need to ask you this, okay? Okay, okay. What young, beautiful, intelligent woman with a at the beginning of a promising career full of potential wouldn't unconditionally be attracted to every fucking shit show of a man she met because what she wants to do most in her life is fix a broken man who she thinks could be great? Why why wouldn't she? Why wouldn't she fall for him? You know, it's the ultimate question. He's got a weird toe. He does have a weird toe. He does toe. have a weird toe. All right, so we talked about Elizabethtown a couple of weeks ago. Yes. And uh, obviously, and Kiki Dunst is the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. And then in We Bought a Zoo, there's a Manic Pixie Dream Zoo that fixes his life for him. Yeah, I like that. Really, and in this that one, it, there's yeah. a Manic Pixie Dream country, essentially, yeah. or yeah. culture. Like, the Manic Pixie Dream Hawaiian culture repairs everything for him. But there is a very- Manic Pixie yes. Dream sky. Yes. Uh, I, I think- uh, the dynamic between Emma Stone and Kirsten Dunst and, and and Bradley Cooper in this film is very similar to the dynamic between Orlando Bloom and Kirsten Dunst. That in both yeah. cases, it's like, here's a guy who's fucking miserable, sure. and he's a mess, and he keeps on going, like, get the fuck away from right. me, largely, for the first part of the movie. I'll say at least- and she's like, you know what? That's what I'm looking for in a man. I'm going to commit all she's of my like time rubbing and her hands together to fixing him. But the thing so is- I just met. I mean, I'll say at least, I mean, Bloom and Elizabeth Town, we talked about it. You know, there's no character there. Yeah. There's no performance. At least Cooper is, he's got a little bit of an edge he's a pro. to him. He's all he's right. He's a pro. Cooper, right? What do you think of Cooper Cooper gives movie? a functional performance yeah. in this movie. Yeah, he's fine. I mean, he's fine. I think Cooper can be a, quite a good actor. Yeah, he can be a great yeah. actor. Yeah. Not in this, but he's, not, he's all right. He's not trying, but he, like, has enough, like, mojo or whatever to, like, 
sustain yeah. it. He he's he doesn't seem broken down enough, and the only way he does seem broken down is that he like barks at everybody. And you're like, he literally barks also at one point in the movie. He, does. he literally barks he, like he, a dog. You get Pretty the, early on when they're driving yeah. in the car and she's like, so what's your deal? And he just starts barking at her and then rolls down the window and howls at the sky. I don't know if he feels, uh, yes. Cameron uh, Crowe thinks that's a great idea. Yeah. And 15 comedy points to Cameron Crowe. I <laughs> oh, don't no, know. Take him back. <laughs> I, I don't know <laughs> if he feels uh, broken enough, but I do think Cooper does play the defensive, like, guarded asshole element of it, which feels like a side effect of it, which is much more than Orlando Bloom did, which was nothing. And also, Bradley Cooper doesn't sound like a fucking cartoon tugboat in this movie. (laughs) Yes. You know? That was a good call about Bloom. (laughs) Thank you. I just need to get to Elizabethtown. (laughs) I mean, Elizabethtown is a much worse movie than Aloha. No question. Yes. There's no doubt about that. Because before this rewatch, I was like... Gonna be tight. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I watch this now and I'm like, this is much better. Here's the difference. It's not good. In the parlance. It's like half a star versus one star. In the parlance of Elizabethtown, I will say this movie is a failure more than a fiasco. And I will also. I think this movie is a fiasco. I, I thought it was a fiasco at first. My new, on my second viewing, I think it's now a failure. No, I think the race. There's stuff. also the thing with Aloha, though, is that, like, and I've gotten to an argument about this recently, not an argument, just like a discussion, that, like, the offensive parts of Aloha are so offensive that Agreed. it's like I don't know how, yes it, I, I don't know if you can totally evaluate it like as in, a movie as yeah. a movie yes in yes. like in with knowing that but also the movie's plot is weird it's weird they go on the, they go to make the deal with the Hawaiian guy yeah. when they're coming back they see a procession of like ghosts maybe mm-hmm. right yeah right yeah, yeah. and they have maybe. to look they have to look at their feet while the ghosts are going by. Yeah. Then they go back to the hotel room. Do they bone then or do they bone later? No, they bone after the party. They bone after the party, right? Because they go the, back to their hotel she room. Gets right? She asks him for drinks and he's like, no way, fuck you. Why would I sleep with Emma Stone? <laughs> like, 14 he's like years offended. my junior, Ugh, Emma Stone. That's the other thing. Fucking, when are these women going to get to do films where they play anyone within 10 years of their own age? Fucking Stone and like outside of the franchises and Lawrence no. just don't get to fucking do it. It drives me insane. Well, Lawrence is always playing older than, and that's just that's or just younger. Weird. She never plays her own age. Wait, She's even playing she play a younger? teenager in X Men First Class. Oh, I guess in never really think about their ages. She's younger in Hunger Games. That's true. That's she true. either yeah. plays like yeah. eighteen right. or, or like forty two. Yeah, let her play someone who is twenty six. <laughs> You know the age she is? Or I what? mean, Joy it's... was where it really, you were just like, what on earth is <laughs> happening? Why is... I can't deal with it anymore. So um, so then yeah, then he goes over to Rachel McAdams' house. And yeah. it's, I mean, we've talked about show, don't tell, or whatever a million times. Like, he shows up and she's like, ha, I really just wanted to talk to you about the time 13 years ago that I asked you to go on vacation with me in San Francisco. And I was in San Francisco, and you didn't show up. And he's like, well, the reason for that is that you had told me that if we went there, we were going to talk about, you know, like, they just like, explain there's also this, this weird thing where she's like where she's like i you know i'm gonna i'm gonna you're gonna be my girlfriend right now like you're gonna be my girlfriend i'm gonna talk to you like my girlfriend yeah i'm like they're going for it i'll say those two actors in that scene mm-hmm. like they're trying to pep up that weird dialogue but here's the thing i find interesting not about the movie itself but about like how it was positioned and everything that amy pascal email focuses on people don't want to see movies about people flirting with married people. Uh-huh. And the trailer for the movie very much played up that it was like a love triangle. 
The I angle did. was like and the poster. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was literally a triangle. Yes. The poster's yes. literally Bradley Cooper. It's a bunch of, a a bunch tri- of yeah. isosceles triangles yes. dividing them. Yeah. But that very much positioned the film as being like they didn't mention any of the fucking satellite stuff in the trailer. How are you supposed to mention yeah, right. what are you gonna, stuff uh, in the yeah. trailer? The trailer reduced the movie to Military guy goes to Hawaii, ex girlfriend, new girlfriend? Which one? Right? Sometimes you have to say Aloha. Aloha. Okay. Like the tagline for the trailer, I mean. I don't think there's a single moment of this film, and maybe it's just my viewing. I don't think there's a single moment of this film where I feel any tension about whether Bradley Cooper and Rachel no. McAdams are no, great. No, never. Absolutely I don't not. Think the, but, but I'm not saying I think the film is trying that and fails. I don't think the film is trying to make you think he's going to get back together no. with her. I think he's trying to come to terms with what happened, but he yeah, knows that sure. door is closed. No, he. You right. never. You never think it's going to happen. I mean, I guess you're supposed to think that, like, Woody Krasinski, like, feels threatened by. Thank you. Because he's able to. Um, talk but because about yeah, stuff. and and he's not able to talk at all. Right. Which is another part of the movie. That's a. But he doesn't like talking. He doesn't like to talk. Yeah. He doesn't and like so strong talk. silent type. There's an early scene in the scene we're just talking about where. He like w- they're having this San Francisco thirteen years ago fight, and then he comes in and he kind of like pats him on the shoulder and like nods and like picks up a beer and he like looks again and then he walks out and she's like, "See, he didn't say anything." And Bradley Cooper's oh, like, "He said a he lot. He said a lot. Yeah. Like that touch on my shoulder." Because you know, means bro this. code. Yeah, bro code. Bro code, bro. Now, the, like so many things in the movie, it feels like something Cameron Crowe is like, "Oh, this is a great idea I have." <laughs> right? Like this is gonna be great. What if I had a character who basically never spoke at all? One problem. John Krasinski has like five of the first six lines in the movie. Yep. So it suddenly is weird where it's like, oh, you know how he doesn't talk? And I'm like, wasn't he just like, and now we're landing, Bradley Cooper. Nice to see you, by the way. You were in Afghanistan, right? This is the airport. Like, gate blessing, huh? I did think it was maybe supposed to be that like he doesn't talk to her. Well, that doesn't seem very good. No. No. Not, not a great marriage. They should, and then, then, but that's the problem. They're having troubles with their marriage, right? Yes. And the, so she's like, "I'm going to leave you," and he's like, "What are you like?" It's just because of him, and she's like, "Well, we've had trouble already." Does the audience care about this at all? How could they ever be on his side? Uh, on on whose side? Uh, Woody Krasinski. Yeah, he's playing himself. Yes, Woody um, Krasinski's a real person. I've decided. Yes, uh, he's the Donald. John Krasinski's not in this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. For me, I mean, A, you know, I mean, this is not about the film itself, but I find it fascinating that that's what Amy Pascal responds so strongly to and then oh, chose the, to the, focus the marketing the on right. that angle. Right. Like, that email was from six months before the movie came out. Yeah. And they proceeded selling it in that way when I don't think that's what the movie is about. And when you not were saying, really. David, no. maybe you want to see a movie about this. Maybe you want to see right. a movie about this to explain how many different things the movie I is trying to be about. I said that you wanted to see, you Griffin, I know. a movie about the militarization of space. I know. But yeah. can I tell you which movie, watching this film and all the various pieces it's throwing out that I want to see the most? The one I want to see the most is Guy gets a job in the town of his ex-flame and comes to term with it, you know, not maybe getting into a new relationship with it. I mean, that's a movie we've seen before, but you could do it well. I think Cameron Crowe could make a good movie about that. Cameron yeah. Crowe, at the peak of his powers, could do yeah. that. Yeah. And, and then also the element of the film that I find the mostly, most emotionally investing, although it's the one that is sort of thrown off the most, uh, but I think leads to the best scene in the movie, is the daughter thing. And the best scene in the movie is the hula scene? Is the ending, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think the ending's the one scene in the movie where I'm like, that's Cameron Crowe. That feels like you doing your thing. That girl. The is daughter great scene? scene. The daughter. Yeah. Is that great. scene is terrific. I mean, it's unfortunate that the movie, you know, struggles to earn it. Obviously, but, but oh, it's totally a good that's scene. Why I want that 
to be the movie. Like, now, of course, like of that's course. That's the thing, the most human thing but that he's grappled onto. Immediately when you see the movie, and she yeah. says like 13 years ago, anyone who's paying half attention is like, oh, that girl, oh, that girl. like, he might be he that just girl's introduced, father. Like, she she just introduced it, It's two lines in a row where she goes, uh, this is Brian, he was my boyfriend uh, 13 years ago. This is my daughter, she's 12. <laughs> like, she, it's literally that quick. Yeah. And, uh, and then, like, um... She says in like a, a few scenes later, an he, hour into the movie, she yeah, says. he's or something. He's basically like, so thirteen years old, huh, or whatever. And she's like, yep, he never asked about it. That conversation happens an hour into a movie that is an hour and forty five minutes long. Uh huh. And she says, like, are we going to talk about the thing that we're not talking about? And what in, clearly Cameron Crowe thought was like a funny Cameron Crowe way of talking about it. It's like, let me put it this way: if it's Father's Day, do I have something to celebrate? She goes, Ugh. oh, you celebrate. Um, I, I, but in that scene is so rushed at that point because the movie is like so behind and he knows that's the ending he's trying to get to. Yeah. But I look at it and I'm like, the scenes with him and Rachel McCams kind of work the best because it's an interesting dynamic. Yeah. I think I, that's fair. And also there's no racism at play. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're not just thinking about the fact. Yeah. It's the element of the film that has nothing to do with white people being in Hawaii. Right. Right? Like, you could have set that anywhere. I think it's kind of interesting dynamic. And I do like, like, I I think they give such short change to all the Rachel McGam stuff. It's like every 20 minutes they're like, oh, we got to get back to that stuff. That the thing it doesn't earn that I kind of find interesting is the thing of, like, I'm going to make you my girlfriend. You're my ex-boyfriend who I've held this resentment towards for years. Yeah. I'm now going through marital troubles. You show up at this time. Yeah. We're not going to get together. There's no threat on the table of us having an affair. I just need you as someone I once trusted to talk me through what's going on here. And then also realizing at that time that he's part of this family inherently. Totally. Could be a good movie. Could be. And I mean, but the and the scene at the end is a great scene. It's a great and- scene. The girl is really good, but it also, I was rewatching it again we last should just, night. It's not, the scene at the end is where the girl is realizing that she is Bradley Cooper's daughter. She is hooling. She's, yes, she is. She's hooling. He's tied off every loose Hula-ing. end. Yeah. You know, well, we'll, we'll get to some of the other we'll loose ends. We'll get to some of those second. other loose ends. But he stands outside her hula class at night in abandoned street. Watching in her. picture windows. Yeah. Like every <laughs> Cameron Crowe little... movie Thank where you he's for interjecting with watching her. Ugh. I'm surprised that you of all people... Ben the Peeper Hosley mm-hmm. would oppose to be opposed to the only film we've discussed that ends in cinematic peeping. I know, but it's just it's every movie, it's like he's okay with like his characters watching people or listening to them and shit. It's creepy. I watch you guys because I'm recording you. I'm doing my job. I'm not like following you home, Griffin, to your apartment standing outside last night. Yeah, you didn't do that last night. Also, Esther, when you said I'm watching you because we're recording, Esther looked around the room. She did. She did. She looked around alarmed. To look for a hole, a peephole. Esther, I have a camera set up. Esther's laughing hysterically. Sorry. Um, I see that, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What I was going to say about the ending scene before I got paranoid um, (laughs) was that... I, yes, it's a lovely scene, sort of yes. in and of itself. In a yes. vacuum. But there's something, but there's something so upsetting, as Ben said, about him just watching. There's something that troubles me about the fact that she gets it, but we have no sort of 
there's only a couple moments where you're like, oh, she may be questioning sure. her parentage. And she just accepts it. If I were 12 and I finally got the news right. that my father, who I thought who was my father, me. was not my father, who I love. And they make it very clear that yeah, the yeah, kids yeah, they have a good relationship love Woody. He's a good dad. Was this other guy? There no, would I be know. a lot more going on other yeah. than, oh, my God, I'm going to hug it's you and it's going to be true. great. And then the movie's going to cut to black. Well, and it bo- and like it bothered me so much watching it again. He spends more time talking to the son in the movie because he even has that one scene where he goes to his bedroom, looks at his collection, talks to him about Hawaiian Miss, all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, there is no such scene of him and the daughter. They sort of have like, oh, hey, how are you doing? And when Rachel McAdams comes by his hotel room to do the like, oh, yeah, you're celebrating thing. Yeah. She's just outside. There are a lot of moments in the film with him looking at her and being like, fuck. But they don't really communicate. Right. And there's no sense that she might, like, suspect this. I mean, except for, like, there's that moment where he brings the Santa and she comes in and she sort of, like, looks at him. But I feel like you, I mean, this movie should have several scenes of them bonding. Yes. Yes. If it's going to earn that moment, 100%. But if you're, of them just talking and having some sort of, you know, whatever. Right. If they even just gave it the one scene they gave to the son in his bedroom, if there was one flag planted, it wouldn't be totally earned, but it's like they don't even lay out the breadcrumb yeah. trail, you know, yeah. to get to that scene. Yeah. And we as the audience go like, oh, is that, that was the most important thing in the movie? And yeah. it's like, it's the most honest thing in the movie. I don't know if it, the movie positions as the most important thing. Also, how when she runs back into the hula class do her friends not go, who the fuck was that guy? Do you know Bradley Cooper? It's, it, it is <laughs> a very constructed moment and it's very much a Cameron Crowe mo- moment, but it does yes. have this sort of cinematic like it's beautiful. transcendence to it. And then being able it to go back have through the window like, yeah. and, and having her... With yeah. a little more, you know... Proper ground. We're, we're so not buying into the film at that point. It's very no, easy to right, pick apart right. the fact that he's creepy being there and then she goes back into the class. Well, no, it does feel like the film is like, oh, right. Also, yeah, okay, okay. You yeah. know, and like, then it just know, ends. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and then it just ends. Now, can we talk about this satellite? Yeah. The Let's satellite. Talk love. satellite. Let's talk about the satellite I love. So there's going to be a satellite. Right. Not a gate. This is another thing. That's the other thing that's confusing. You're like, is he here for the satellite launch or for the gate? Well, they're, they're, I thought they're also, connected. The they're gates are cover for the satellite. The gates either. That is very true, Ben. Okay. Thank you. They don't lock, lock the gates. Ben. They don't lock the gate blessing. 200 insight points. Because that is a very, very good point. This film is about them trying to get a gate blessing. Mm-hmm. But maybe if they had just gone to Bumpy and said like, hey, we promise we will lock the gate mm-hmm. and brought Marin with them. Yeah, Marin was there. He would have been the like, real What's meeting. your deal? Yeah. So, who were you guys? <laughs> I went to a Hawaiian, but I had some mahi mahi. Yeah. I feel like Marin always just goes to the most obvious thing in the world whenever he's yes. talking to someone who's not white. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, do you eat like the roast pork in the in the pit? I can't do Marin today. They always put an apple in its mouth. What's the deal with that? Who are that apple's guys? (laughs) (laughs) Is there what about that big guy who did over the rainbow? Is that one of your guys? Is that one of your guys? (laughs) But she's like the comedy store just has that like evil, menacing energy to it. The Honolulu comedy store? Yes. Yeah. Uh, he's working the original room. Yeah. Uh, the apple from the pick in the joke (laughs) that we've created. Um what, oh, what were you even talking about? Oh, the satellite. Oh, the satellite. Okay. Satellite of love. Bill Murray wants it in the sky. 
But then secretly he's going to put a nuclear bomb in it? This is one of the things that I did understand more on the second viewing of the film. Sure, sure. When he goes there, he doesn't tell anyone that there's a satellite. The gate is the cover for the satellite. That's the moment where Emma Stone watches the video footage that the boy shot and sees the truck and yeah, gets right. scared. And, and puts it together. Because she goes, that's something. She knows how sacred the sky is. She knows that they don't want to put satellites anywhere above Hawaii. And she sees that, then goes to him. And he then reveals to her that, yes, there is a satellite we're trying to put up there. What he doesn't know is that the satellite has weapons in it because they've told him it's just for cell phone reception and it's co-financed by Facebook? But then he figures it out before she figures it out because he looks at his laptop or whatever. Right. And so he has, like, she has enough reason to be mad at him because she flips out at him after they have sex. She has a ton of reasons to be mad at him. They have sex, by the way. They do have sex. And then she looks at his weird toe. And here's the thing. when She does. When you have sex, your body makes a promise. When you have sex, your body makes a promise. Whether or not you know it. There's so many things we could say. Okay. Go yeah. ahead, Esther. No, I thought something different when watching the movie. I thought they always knew that there was going to be the satellite, and then it felt like there was loading. I thought her watching the footage was them loading something into the satellite, but I think what you're saying makes more sense. Because she's talking about early on. Yeah. Because she sees the satellite after they have sex. She sees the footage yes. after they have sex. Yeah. And, she's, they, and yes. right they before have they sex. have sex, she's like showing him the stuff about the satellites. Cause, and I think that's maybe just because she's obsessed with satellites. And he's showing her his cool laptop and it's all military grade or yeah. whatever. Right. There's a lot of stuff about his laptop decals. But doesn't that lead to the scene with they the sunglass sex. hat? So no, because oh. she sees the, the footage, satellite after that. And the sa- the that's when she wants to break up with him. Because she views it as betrayal. Right. And she goes Stupid to Bill Camp hat. and is like, I can't work with him. Or she goes to... Fucking fingers. Can we talk about this for a second? Danny McBride is Colonel Fingers Lacey. I had to look up his last name. So his character is that he does weird shit with his fingers. He's he's like... Which is not clear. No. I mean, he is sort of twitching his finger when you meet him. Yeah, but here's the way he's twitching it. He's doing like full like finger ruffles, right? He is, yes. And he also is doing them always right up next to his face so that it's in shot for a close-up. Finger. Which is like... Can you put in the fingered... Uh, thing for oh yeah, ben? can you please put in oh, finger? I, I've already taken notes on that. Great. No Fantastic. problem. Uh, you're a pro. Uh, that's why they call you the pro doer. Um, I I just feel like if it's supposed to be a nervous tick, in real life he would be trying to hide it. And in this film, Especially it feels if he was like in the U.S. Air Force. It feels like he's showcasing it, and then Bradley Cooper calls him fingers, and he's like, "I'm not fingers anymore." And then Alec Baldwin yells at him. Yeah, Alec Baldwin, I love in this movie. He's great. Why is Alec Baldwin always good? Good. He's good. Can I? That scene where he walks in and McFingers, McFingers yeah. is like, uh, uh, maybe you know, it all depends on his mood. Like maybe he'll be all right. And he comes in, and he just screams. Yeah. Which <laughs> no actor can get that. Like that's hard. You know, he doesn't even scream in like a weird way. He just screams aloud, and it's so funny. There's also my favorite line in the movie is when he goes, uh, "Don't make me like you any less than I already do." Oh, and yeah. Bradley Cooper and goes, Cooper's "I didn't know you didn't like me," and he just sits there. <laughs> he stands him, there yeah. and looks at him for a while. <laughs> And he's and like, goes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he holds that moment so no, he, beautifully. He's good. He's good. Yeah. It's just funny that he scenes, he steals the scene in both of Crow's worst movies. So because in Elizabeth Town, he's also very funny. Remind me of this at the end of the episode because I have a thing I want to say about that. Okay, lock the game? Yeah, but I want to say it for the end of the episode as we're wrapping up our thoughts on the filmography of When Cameron we're locking Crow. the gates. When we're locking the gates. 
Uh, I don't know which of it those situations it is, Esther. I feel like it could be either one. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. The Facebook thing is also that you mentioned is also weird because I feel like that Alec Baldwin says that. Yes. And then that is in in like the Deus Ex Machina moment where suddenly like everything's okay because Carson Welch was actually going to put nukes on was the military didn't know the full extent of like what he was going to do so they thought it was something for Facebook maybe it was something for Facebook but really then Carson Welch I feel like I am if you want to make a movie right now about Facebook trying to have a nuclear arsenal and launch it into space I'd watch it that sounds good I'd watch that movie it's Social Network too. War games. If your clients had created Facebook, they would have created Facebook. <laughs> um, Follow th- us on Facebook. Yeah, please do. This was my read on that, okay? And even the fact that the plot of a romantic comedy is this hard to parse on a second viewing for all of us, and we're people who, like, make our they lives pay, yeah, you know, around I mean, analyzing I, ex- I explained the Matrix sequels on this podcast. Yep. <laughs> like, yes, you did. That, that shouldn't be easier than this movie. This was my sense was of- it? Of, of what it was. Yeah, it was way easier. Yeah. My I sense, did have to watch the Matrix episode like eight times, but still. My sense was they wanted to create a new Air Force gate. From that gate, they could launch a satellite. They wanted a satellite there for like NSA reasons sure, and general communication, satellite. whatever. Right. But they knew that the Hawaiian people would never allow them to do it because of the already tense relationship between the American military and the Hawaiian natives. And right? also the, the sky. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and how, yes. So Carson Walsh, as an independent contractor agreed to pay for the satellite because he wants to gain it from, I guess he runs a tech company and he has cell phone reception fucking shit he wants covered. Facebook put up half of the money for the satellite, or so he said, because they want to have Facebook be covered in that area. Sure. Right. Right? And that 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 way way they could sort of like hold up their hands and be like, it wasn't us. Carson Walsh wanted to put it up there. We're just taking advantage of it. But then explain the nuke. But then the new, but then Carson Welch puts the nuke on because, because he wants to like privatize. Yeah, he believes the in like American sovereignty, and he wants nukes he in want, the sky, yeah. which is America never explained controls. by that character, and is not right. clear no. in any of his behavior then, that he feels that way. Because then, like, and he's not doing it in the satellite launch. It's like it's going to happen later. Yes, they're going to add the nuke. So that actually makes me think that you were correct that at some point they do know about the satellite, but they don't know the nuke that he's putting into it, and that's what she recognizes because that's why she comes to the place. Yeah, I think that's what yeah. she recognizes. Yeah, yeah. But it also but feels also like the that's not something that you. It recognize. feels at the beginning that they're he's pitching them on the gate and not the satellite. Do they know that the gate means that the satellite's going to happen? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I'm but so here's because that. Bumpy says no satellite, but also if we're going to allow you to do this, I need free cell phone reception. Here's uh, and he two mountains and two he mountains. gets two mountains. What does that mean? I don't know. He gets it means they them. give them back the land. I, I mean, I'm assuming that that's what that means. That, that had been previously like taken over by the American or, military occupation. This is honestly making me so There's upset. The, it, it doesn't matter. The history of Hawaii is too complex for us to get into on this podcast. Yes. But we do need to talk about the fact that the satellite launches... Bradley Cooper does a great job launching the satellite. It's probably the there's, best satellite launch I've ever seen. Michael Turnus is somewhere else, right? Yes, yeah. on a, the phone. On the phone. He's at a different base, somewhere that's okay. not Hawaii. He plays a nerd who helps Bradley Cooper with his nerd beard and his nerd glasses. He dates right? Annie Baker. Um, oh, does he really? Yes, I just found this out. Interesting. Oh, wow. Or I know, at some point dated Annie Baker. I know Baker. someone quite well who used to date Annie Baker. I'll tell you later, Esther. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Can, I sidebar, mm. can I sidebar for one second here? Uh, Is it you? No. <laughs> it was me. Uh, at... Uh, uh, Comic-Con. I, I went to the San Diego Comic-Con uh, a, a couple weeks ago as, as of the time of this recording, sure. right? Uh, I went to a panel about uh, action figures, as I want to do. And on the panel, 
they uh, accidentally, uh, when they were like, are you doing toys for Amazing Spider-Man, uh, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming? Mm. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, you know, we plan to, but it's tough right now because they haven't given us enough reference material. So we like want to make them. We want to do a full line where we have like not just Spider-Man, but also obviously like Vulture, Shocker, Tinkerer. All the villains. But they hadn't announced no, those villains No, no, that yet. was... Oh, that I was that. Right, I remember you reading about You broke the news. This. I I'm fucking not sure broke they, the news. I'm not sure they've announced all of those. They have announced that Michael Sherman is playing Tinker now. Right. I, I don't think they announced the middle person. He's Shocker? Playing. I think they announced Shocker. Did they? But maybe they announced it was just that. that they Logan Marshall Green is Vulture. in the film and that he's probably playing a villain, but they haven't announced who he's playing yet. Right. There are a couple other actors who they haven't they announced. They also, Bokeem Woodbine, they said that he's playing a villain. And no one knows who fucking Donald Glover is playing. And like, there are a bunch of actors who have unclear roles at this time. Annie Baker and Michael Chernus might not still be dating, but okay. they were at some point. Sad. Michael Chernus is playing Tinkerer. I broke the fucking scoop. The Tinkerer's in the movie. I looked. No one else tweeted about it, and fucking, like, a bunch of websites Did covered you... and cited me. Oh, that was you? That. That's great. That Good was job. me. I, I fucking had... broke that story. You. I Thank heard you. that Marissa Tomei is going to play Aunt May in that movie. Yeah, that's exclusive. <laughs> um, I, anyway. But it was a little frustrating because I got so much more coverage for that than the thing you were actually fucking ticks up. Well, thank you for all of that. August 19th. Anyway, yeah, I just so, need well, one second to brag about the fact that it's I broke a fucking point, story. So see the tick, guys. Yeah, August it's 19th. Out. Watch it. Watch it so many times. The screeners please. went out today, I'll say. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. You haven't watched it yet, mm-hmm. right? Are either of you, like, you both have to be like, I can't review it. I right? can't review it. Yeah, I don't think I can. I definitely can. Esther probably could. Yeah. I was going <laughs> through the list of people who were like, probably going to have to say they can't <laughs> review it. I can't review it. I bet it's great. The you satellite- want me to review it in your name, David? Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> the satellite goes into space. Yeah. <laughs> and it's in space. Michael Chernus tinkering away Doing and they're communicating. Great. And then Bradley Cooper's like, wait a second. Michael Chernus, why don't you upload every recorded well, he sound? he sad Emma Stone. He does Emma see Stone sad Emma Stone Emma sitting Stone there all sad. Yeah. She's sad. And he had had sex with her and she forgave him for his weird toe. So that's crucial to know. Yeah. And Small the sky is important. We don't know if she's That's fanfic. Film. I'm sorry. I'm bringing my own fanfic into the film. All right. All right. Esther just did a spit take. Um, uh, no, no. Not 25 comedy. Take. I didn't do a spit take. She, she took a swig of water and, you know, it yeah. was an awkward gulp. Um, uh, Which so was he my uploads... first punk fan. Oh, no. Awkward gulp? No, no, no. Lock the gates. So she, she, uh, <laughs> she uploads. Uh, no, he uploads all sounds. Uh, the history of sound. The history, yeah. Every recorded sound. Correct. Yeah. Which also at some point becomes the history of movies and TV. Too. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say. And he, music. There's he, a lot of music. Yep. They're all of Cameron Crowe's favorite bands. Yeah, right. He uploads the a lot of, of sound. Abby. Uh, yes. <laughs> like, I just yeah. wish it was like mostly like atonal bleeping or whatever rather than like whatever, you know, a Cat Stevens song or whatever. I think there's Bob Dylan in there. <laughs> Bob Dylan's in there. Yeah. And there's what? There's some, there's a movie theme that's in there. There's some iconic like movie or TV theme that I'm Probably. forgetting. There's is some in there. like dialogue too. Yes. Now, there's definitely a clip from Animal House. I will say that when. I saw fucking Blue to Blutowski. You can't tell me otherwise. When I was watching it just now, I was like, I remember this part. It's so stupid. The first time, me and Pilot had been sitting there mostly in stony silence for an yes. hour and 15 minutes or whatever, being like, God, this movie's a mess. When that scene happened, we were, I mean, it's its weird. It's hilarious. It's, it's, it's it really is, funny. We're laughing out loud because it's completely out of nowhere. Yep. And so weird. And then the satellite explodes. 
It yeah. like blows up in the in space. I feel like I, I'm this glad. This isn't this movie. I'm I really know. glad you had me on this episode, but I feel like you should have had someone with some science background yeah, to, to explain, explain what's going how on. the fuck this might no, be possible. No, I think someone with a science background would just be very quietly like, oh, well, none of it has anything to do with anything. Like, but, it's all made up. But Esther, like, in, if we were going to really do this episode properly, we'd need a panel of like eight experts. We need yes. someone on like Hawaiian <laughs> history, U.S. military, science. We need a married person, you know? Like, we would need... Yeah, we need a married person. <laughs> yeah. I'm an child expert on married. Child psychologist. We need a child psychologist, definitely. That's true. Uh, I felt the same way wa- on both viewings. The first time I watched it, I was like, well, this scene at least is really swinging for it. And it's kind of beautiful in its, like, cacophony of, like, chaos. I, I guess so. And then so. the second time, I was like, fuck it's that. It's so dumb. It's not really swinging for it because it's so basic, like, the weird montage it's that just plays like, out. It's really basic. I mean, and it's then like it's a just MasterCard like, commercial. Right. This is also the second of three times he does this montage of the entire history of, like, pop culture thing. Because Vanilla Sky ends with, when he jumps off the building, his life intercut with all the movies he's seen everything, and a movie that's already about him constructing it, and the fucking pilot episode of Roadies. Oh, yeah, the pilot episode. She has her running, the running thing. We'll talk about this next week, but he does, he has a character in the film, who in the series, who is a filmmaker, who makes a film that is just a super cut of similar scenes from different movies, and it's the same thing where it's just like cacophony of images. Kirk Russell. That would be that would be a good pseudonym for Cameron Crowe. Do you get it? <laughs> yeah, I get it. Great. Kirk Russell. Yeah. Honestly, I will say that moment in Roadie sort of like made me tear up a little bit, and I don't know why. I might have been going through something. Yeah. Were you going through anything? I, I wasn't, so okay. I don't know why. That's the horrible thing about like uh, uh, doing a Cameron Crowe miniseries in the wake of a breakup is that like even the bad movies make me cry, mm-hmm. and I respect myself less. Yeah, I haven't mentioned it before on this podcast. I'm sorry. Uh, going through a breakup is a uh, <laughs> is puts in a lot more of a present tense as if it's still a process uh, that is happening to me rather than just me not getting over it. Uh, anyway, well, I wasn't going anything through anything and I'm just a sucker. Lock yeah. the gates. We have to lock, lock the gates. We have to lock the sky. <laughs> oh my god. No, you can't lock the sky. Yeah, how dare you. You don't own the sky, Griffin. Yeah. Can I So go ahead. No, what were you going to say? I'm sorry. Well, after he blows up the satellite, there's 20 more minutes. <laughs> Yeah, he has to wrap up each individual plot line so of the movie. First, Alec Baldwin yells at him. Which is good because Alec Baldwin's good. He does a good job yelling, but then like five minutes Mr. later- Mr. Hotshot, Mr. Cool Guy right. over here. And then five minutes later, Alec Baldwin's like, Jesus, we just found out Bill Murray wanted to put a nuke on the satellite. He's That's arrested, so and thank funny. you for that. And you're like, wait, the military wasn't on top of the nuclear weapon he wanted to put on the it satellite? It turns out no one knew everything, but everyone knew a little, and we pieced it all together. This is also a movie where they don't tell you- the thing that they just avoided happening until after they avoid it. Yeah. Like, there's no stakes in any scene because you're like, I don't understand what's what the risk is. And then they go like, well, it was going to be this, so thank you for stopping that. Well, okay, sorry. That gets into the weird timeline of the movie, which I do, I do think Bradley Cooper knew that there was a nuke. Because yeah. he gets the plans, which he looks at on his exactly. computer. He doesn't know initially that there's a nuke, but then right. he looks at his laptop, which has cool decals on it, really after cool he decals. fucked Emma Stone with his weird toe. No, 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 before he fucked Emma Stone with his weird toe. It's before they have sex? Because yeah, it's maybe the, you're right. It's the, He's like, like looking at his cool after decals, the party and then where... she shows up and she's like, I hear you have a weird... Yeah. We haven't even talked about how, like, how uptight Emma Stone mm-hmm. at this party yeah. gets a little drunk. And, and she's in her uniform. In her uniform and, like, gets down yep. with Bill Murray. Yep. 
Which yeah. there's no excuse for that other than, hey, Bill and Murray likes to dance. Sure. Why yeah. not? Why not have Bill Murray do something in this movie? It's not like he's doing anything. Yeah. Yeah, he's not doing anything. No, he plays the guy who wants to put a nuclear weapon in space. And then, oh. That's like what his Doctor, final his moment. Final That's moment. what like Dr. No <laughs> wants to do. Yeah, his, talk yes. about his final moment. His final moment <laughs> is a beautiful shot of him essentially being engulfed by the sky, right? It's like this pure white sky and then the beach, and he's so small in the image, and it's just a a clear sky. You can't see anything else, right? And he's like walking around with his arms out, you know? Like the fucking poster for Shine, and he's sort of looking (laughs) up at the sky. It's like the poster for Shine. It is like the poster for Shine, and he's taking it all in. He's like Jeffrey Rush in the movie Shine. And he's getting like a little teary-eyed, like, you know, overwhelmed by the majesty of the sky, which is what the movie is about. It is. And then... You know, they cut from the wide, the super, super wide shot to a close up of his face, and he's tearing up while he's looking at it, but it seems like out of joy. And they cut back to the wide shot, and a bunch of men run behind him and they arrest him. Mm-hmm. And he's still, like, sort of like, ah, the sky. This is, don't, don't you, doesn't it feel like Bowfingery that that was just Bill Murray hanging out? And they were like, okay, quickly bum rush him and we'll get it on camera. Well, I don't remember <laughs> who tweeted this, but I, I saw uh, Pete's Dragon last weekend, which is a delightful film. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. it. A really, really charming movie. But someone tweeted, uh, I thought he was good in Pete's Dragon. I'm going to paraphrase. I'm going to fuck it up, and I can't remember who wrote it. But uh, I thought he was good in Pete's Dragon, but I think it was a little irresponsible of the filmmakers not to tell Robert Redford he was in a movie. (laughs) I think it was Joe Reed, wasn't it? (laughs) Was it? I hope it was the great Joe Reed. But I just, like, I always, that joke always gets to me of, like, oh, Bill Murray didn't know he was in this. They just found him in Hawaii drinking and shot (laughs) a movie around him. Like, the Bowfinger thing is always funny. And especially because when I say that he looks great in this movie, he looks great in this movie because they make him look so shitty. (laughs) Yeah, they do. They make him look so bad in this movie. Like, he's never looked older and more worn out than he does in this film. Um, Maybe it wasn't. I can't find it. But like Bill, I saw that tweet in live. It was a great tweet. Uh, and especially after you've seen Pete's Dragon, I, I dare you to watch the movie with that tweet in mind and not laugh every time Robert Redford comes on screen. It's like, we're going to chase that dragon. Yeah. The idea that he didn't know it was a movie. <laughs> Sigh. Um, this, I mean, what's so bizarre about this performance is like Bill Murray, especially in like the post like aughts, you know. Post loss in translation. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, 21st century Bill Murray is known for being like this like, you know, like a mythic figure, so soulful, enigmatic, but like so minimalistic, sure, you know, yeah, so yeah. stripped down, so understated, you know, so few words. It's his energy, it's his body, and whatever, you know, like he's conveying these multitudes of sadness without making jokes or whatever. And then you watch this film, and it's like, oh, oh he's literally doing nothing. Like, right. usually yeah. he's able to imply a lot of depth just yeah. by sitting on a bed, but also, usually, there's a story. That makes sense to go with him sitting on. But a the bed. way they position him in the film, it's like, okay, is he supposed to be like Richard Branson or is he supposed to be like Elon Musk? You know, is he supposed to be like someone that like people like and think that he's kind of a cool renegade and he's sort of like a slob, or is it supposed to be that he's like the man? Because they say that like Bradley Cooper's selling out to him and his company is definitely the man. And she says something about how he's the devil. I danced with the devil. But he seems like such a loose, like, low-key guy. And he doesn't seem like in a right. snake-in-the-grass kind of way. He just seems like, it's oh, true. that's just some old guy who's drunk at a bar. Yeah, and more like the film plays him for most of the movie. is kind of like, oh, the eccentric billionaire you have to put up with, but he's paying your salary, so, you know, whatever. And he says these, like, marginally profound things. Like, he yeah. says that, like, uh, what's the, it's, it hits you like a ton of bricks. What is it? The You know what I'm saying? I don't remember. 
the scene where he gets angry at Bradley Cooper after the thing. Like, he's not even angry at him in the yeah. way that, like, you'd expect Baldwin's reaction is what Bill Murray's reaction would be. But instead, he's like, well, can't say you didn't make an impression. You know, or, like, whatever the fuck he said, you know? Yeah. I guess this is payback. Like, it's like, it feels like they shot the rehearsals before Bill I'm Murray, like, turned it on. Yeah. You know which quote I'm talking about. I do. I do. Yeah, yeah, if you can find that thing. Because even in the trailer, they put that in there to make it sound like that's uh, Bill Murray talking to Bradley Cooper about love. And in the movie, that's Bill Murray talking to a reporter at the party right. about like okay. his the, business. The future yeah. isn't just something that happens. It's a brutal force of the great sense of humor that will steamroll you if you're not watching. That's okay. a line he has. So in the trailer, they make it seem like that's like Bradley Cooper's no, like, I'm in love with two like... women. I don't know which one. Right. And that sounds like a classic Cameron Crowe thing that someone would say in response to but that. But it's a line that doesn't make any sense if you think about it for has one nothing second. To do, no. yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah. It doesn't have anything to do with anything. And he says it to a reporter at a party with no context. And then also, so then also there's the fight between Woody Krasinski, the real life brother of John Krasinski, who yes. plays himself in this film. And this is canon now. Within this podcast, this is canon. Yes. There's the fight where he has a fight with... Uh, Bradley Cooper that's nonverbal. You, you also forgot to mention that he destroys their uh, their yeah, Christmas lawn. He lawn-like. karate chops yeah. like a Santa. Also, I feel like that's not really a fight that's no, nonverbal. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a, a summit. It's it's yeah. It's they some... decide who the vagina belongs to, right? I mean... Uh, yeah, David. well... They... <laughs> Boy, I shouldn't have said David. That. Go ahead. You, you said they don't... the cum thing earlier. And, that was gross. And well, he acknowledges something. that the daughter is Bradley Cooper's. Right. And Does they're like okay without with talking. it. Yes, they, there are subtitles. subtitles. Yeah, it's done in subtitles because again, James I mean James Cameron Crowe, <laughs> yeah. Kirk Kirk Russell is like, guys, wouldn't this be amazing if it was subtitled? Like all of his subtle It feels It would work if you would set it up very nicely through the movie. Yeah, I kinda like it, but it's like it's no. too much it to feels, throw in the last yeah. scene. It's, too much. it's the second it's to last like, scene of the movie. You're like, and, oh, this movie's gonna go there? Okay. Yeah. And they're also basically he's, you know, being like Rachel McAdams, and he's like, you can have Rachel McAdams, you know, and you're like, oh, great, what a great decision these. And there's a moment where he goes, did you fuck my wife? And he goes, no, I, f- I fucked I Allison, fucked Allison which is hugs so him. disgusting. Yeah, it's gross. And he fucks him, and he's like, what? She's like 25. You're 40. Don't do that, you disgusting man. What would you have to talk about? You're at very different places in your my life. Toe. Yeah. The sky. Yeah. How there's definitely not a nuke going on that satellite. She loves, loves fixing old broken man. <laughs> my decals on my laptop. Of a- Human. But yeah. There was greatness in this guy. And there was greatness in the sky. The sky. It's about the sky. Okay. Aloha. But the sky, th- okay, so the sky thing, I was thinking about this watching it last night. It's like, if he thought that Allison Ng was supposed to be a joke, mm-hmm. or like all of her stuff, like is, is her love of the sky supposed to be just her personality, is it supposed to be tied to her Hawaiian heritage? I don't know. I don't know. Shrugging. I like the sky. Shrugging. Yeah, we know you like the sky. That's I mean, why they call you the sky master. God. <laughs> they call you sky captain for a reason. I'm one of the best cloud pointer outers you ever heard. You're good at pointing out clouds in the sky. I feel like we're all in a weird mood. Guys. Yeah, we are. We are. Uh, <laughs> you want to yeah, play the box no, office? Because I'll be like, yo, check it out. That's yes. a dog. And everyone's like, you're so right. So you're good at pointing out what <laughs> clouds look like. Yeah. You also upload files into the cloud. That is true. And I am a fucking pro, baby. Like that movie. Yes. What? Sex tape. Oh, I. 
<laughs> that movie. I thought you were implying. Is that what it's called? Yes. That is what it's called. Okay. It's about two people who make a sex tape. And it goes into the cloud. Yeah. And then they give out free iPads to all their friends with it on it. No, they because gave of them the out cloud. First. Mm. You know when you give someone a device as a present, you yeah, always put them onto your cloud account? Yes. Yeah, of course, of course. Obviously. So yeah. they gave everyone iPads before making the tape, all tied to their cloud, including their mailman. Uh-oh. Uh, Esther, when you said that, what I thought you were saying is yeah. that Ben uploads this podcast to a satellite to try to jam it. <laughs> what if he did? The only this reason. Is the how quickly of sound. would we destroy a military satellite if our file was uploaded? Yeah, to it? seventy episodes of blank check with. Chris Do you know and David. this movie doesn't explain how uploading a bunch of movies and sounds to a satellite it makes it explode? Nope, doesn't explain. Makes that. my brain explode. Nope. nope. Let's play box, the box office game, game. Okay. May 29th, two thousand fifteen. This movie opened number six. With $9 million. Do you want to know how much this movie made total? How much? It made $21 million domestic, which is about half its budget. Wow. And it made $5 million foreign. It, I'm sorry. It made five five million million in the rest of the world. Yeah. That is astonishing for a movie starring white people. <laughs> like, but I mean, how are you going to sell this movie? This movie doesn't make sense to America, Americans, I, and Hawaii is technically in America. I think they just gave up. I... Th- I I bet they just barely even released it in other places. Yeah, that's a good call. I mean, not that not that it would have done well there, but to make five million shows that they weren't even trying. Apparently, this movie made one thousand nine hundred dollars in Spain. Just to let you know, <laughs> I just looked up the breakdown. How to do in Hawaii? Hawaii's part of America. So that means two hundred people in total went <laughs> to go see Aloha in Spain. <laughs> yeah. So it opened number six with nine point six okay million dollars. Okay. So it's not even in the top five. The right. top five, it's May 2015. So it's, you know, what you might have met. Furious 7 is in there. No, Furious 7 is number 11. That came out in April. But I thought it was still going strong at this point. I mean, it's collected a very healthy $350 million. Okay. So then if we go. Number one is a new movie starring one of the stars of Furious 7. Number one is a new movie mm-hmm. starring one of the stars of Furious 7. San Andreas. Correct. $54 million. Uh, is the Rock. Avengers Age of Ultron also in the five. Number five. Ooh, how the mighty have fallen. Well, that it's his a... fifth week. Wait, wait, what week is this? May 29th, 2015. Oh, Avengers came out last week of April? Yeah, or first week of May, May 1st, or whatever. May 1st, whatever, you know, whatever, right. whatever. Okay, so that's number five. Number one, San Andreas. Aloha's number six. Mm-hmm. Uh... Give me, give me a hand about number two. Number two is a sequel. Did much better than the first movie. Oh, Pitch Perfect 2. Yes. Uh, one of only two films in history to outgross the original film in its opening weekend alone. And the other one was? I don't know. Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shot right, Me. I thought that- Those are the two sequels that outgrossed the original in one weekend. Okay. Number three is a great movie that nobody likes. Do both of us like it or do you like we it? We both like it. Oh, baby. It fell from number one the previous week. It was a financial disappointment for the Disney company. Okay. The company of Disney. So it came out May 21st. It came out Memorial Day weekend. It did. That's right. It was a Disney picture that we both like. I saw and it. that movie is called Tomorrowland. That's right. Yeah. I saw it alone in a theater uh, in the Court Street, Court Street Regal. Yeah. Uh, there was two other people sitting like a few rows in front of me who were making out, and then they laid down. Oh, mm. 
on the seats, and I think there was some funny business going on. They were not that invested in Tomorrowland. I'll tell you that much. Shame on them. They didn't seem very interested in the what lives a of the strange movie to choose to they, do that. In. They, they 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 got up to no good like five minutes in. It wasn't it like. I don't think they were really there for Tomorrowland. Oh. Also, it is known yeah. that Hugh Laurie is a natural aphrodisiac. It's true. Uh, <laughs> number four is maybe the best movie of the year. Number four is maybe the best movie of the year? By acclamation, it was probably the best movie of the year. It was the best reviewed film of 2015? I mean, kind of. Certainly big Lots films. of top ten lists. Lots of top So you know what it is. I'm looking Oh, at you're it. looking you at it. We saw it together. I was not. I didn't think I was playing this game. <laughs> you're not. I'm not. Did, did it become an Oscar play? Oh, yeah. oh, 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 oh. It was my number one film of 2015. It's Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, that's right. So there you go. I mean, pretty fun weekend, actually. A lot of fun stuff. Not Aloha. That's not fun. No. Pitch Perfect 2 isn't it. very fun. I never saw Pitch Perfect 2. It's not good? Not good. No. I didn't either. Hey, uh, hey, guys. Did you know that this movie was nominated? For, for what, Ben? Teen Choice Award. <laughs> It was? Yeah. For what? It was a, a choice comedy movie. <laughs> Aloha? Yeah. I dare you to find me one teen who saw Aloha. <laughs> and then also uh, actor to comedy, Bradley Cooper, actress, Emma Stone that's, in a comedy. I mean, I know those awards that are decided is, by that publicists, That is a ploy to get Emma Stone and Bradley Cooper to show up to your awards show. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, I will they say- didn't win any surfboard. Uh I will say this: uh, The Martian is funnier than Aloha. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. True. Like the hearing, Martian deserved totally. that. Hearing that movie nominated as best comedy, I was like, "Well, but you know, maybe The Martian." Yeah, it's right. much funnier than Aloha. Okay, so can I throw out some other movies in that top ten? Yes, the Poltergeist remake. A lot of forgotten movies. Far from the Madding Crowd. Hey, you want to hear something weird that's of Hot no interest? Hot Pursuit. Home. Remember when we wanted to see Hot Pursuit? And we just never did. Yeah, we were like, "We're gonna see it." Oh, we're gonna see it. And everyone else thinks it's bad, but we're gonna think it's cute. <laughs> we were so defensive and, and ready. Then, like, to like two see. days after we like never that's spoke around. about it. I don't it know again. why. See yeah. Um, the uh, in uh, Poltergeist, the remake, uh-huh. the young boy in the family is named uh, Griffin, the character. Cool. And the actor who plays the young boy in the family, Carl Collette, uh, is the actor who plays uh, young Arthur in the tape. Oh. Oh, that's so funny. That's kind of a funny well, little. That is a funny circle, little right? Yeah. yeah. Griffin. Yeah. He's uh, an amazing actor. He's much better than me. Um. He's 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 incredible. That's not. I'm sure that's not true. He's really fucking good. He's more professional than I am. He's like unbelievably professional. Um, I felt so bad. They had to work so hard to make him look like me. <laughs> they like put us in a chair together. They're like, I don't. Can we break his nose? <laughs> they, they put shit in his hair. They didn't say that. They didn't, but they had to put glasses and all this sort of stuff. He's a good kid. Good actor. Doesn't listen to this show. Um. Here's the thing I want to throw out that I that I sort of teased earlier, okay? Yes. You look at two, Cameron Crowe's two worst films, both- Aloha and Elizabethtown. Both Undeniably. have like Hail Mary past small performances by Alec Baldwin. Sure. I look at Cameron Crowe at this point in his career, and I think Rhodey's falls into this too, although I haven't seen the whole season yet. And it's this thing that's very, very hard and upsetting to watch, which is a filmmaker feel like they're trying to- do a cover of themselves. You know? Yeah, They're sure. trying mm-hmm. to make the films that people expect them to make. And those films, I think, were a reflection of where he was at those points in his life. He's now a divorced man. He's 60 years old. He's had a lot of acclaim and a lot of failure. 
and he's still trying to make like a young man's films in a certain way and a film films from a worldview that I don't think is totally what his worldview is anymore, his experience base is anymore. It's right? also definitely not what the worldview of the world is yes. right now, which right. is the biggest problem with Aloha. I mean, look at his haircut. It's like, dude, get a different haircut. It's fucking 2016. He does very much still have the same haircut he's always had. It's very, very- It's true. Yeah. He broke up with Nancy Wilson. Yes. Yeah. Who I think was a big creative partner for him. I mean, she did the yeah. score for all of his films, yeah. but also uh, I, I think she then was Then the Seeger Ross guy took over. Yeah. John Z. John Z. Um- I, I think he's trying so hard to make the sort of like bittersweet but open-hearted kind of Cameron Crowe thing rather than like taking a step back and not trying to figure out what the next Cameron Crowe movie is in quotes but go like what's the movie I have in me right now to write rather than like pushing anything. Right. And I look at how good Baldwin is in these two movies and I'm so you're kind saying of like make a Baldwin vehicle? Make a Baldwin vehicle and allow it to be angry. Angry Baldwin. Oh boy. You know because it's like should he play a Hawaiian guy though, or like an Asian guy? Well, obviously, a hundred percent. Yeah, but like you look. What at, if in the first scene he was like, "I'm half black, but half Swedish"? You look Swedish at, descent. You look at these movies that are about men who are angry but don't really act it, and then you know who need to be saved by a woman well, who wants to is, commit their entire life to it. Make a movie that isn't about that. Make a movie about a guy who's fucking angry. Own the clear anger you have because this is like a big current running through your movies now. And put Baldwin, who feels like a more interesting surrogate for you now. You know, whether yeah. or not you're literally an Alec Baldwin type, your dialogue is connecting more coming out of him than it is out of Orlando Bloom or fucking, you know, Bradley Cooper or any of these other people. Uh, I, I kind of want to make him break the mold and not try to make a Cameron Crowe movie. Do his, like, The Visit. I Well, I mean, he should definitely do his The Visit. Yeah. But I think the problem is I don't think he's ever really successfully written an angry character, like lead character. Like Alec Baldwin's fun for two minutes, definitely. But like, I mean, you don't buy Bradley Cooper as being angry. You definitely don't buy uh, fucking Orlando Bloom as being angry. But who do you buy as being angry? Well, Baldy. In both. Yeah, but because Baldy, he, I mean, he's got the match game and you buy him as a man that's like basically brimming over with rage. I'm saying make a movie about an older man. He's an older <laughs> man now. Make a movie about anger and let Baldwin fucking carry that anger. I mean, that's fine. Make, make, just don't make a rom-com. Like, don't do it. Like, yeah. don't make a movie where like the whole arc of the movie is that the guy has to get saved by the girl. Well, I also think, I don't know if this is a stupid thing to say, but like when I was watching this movie, I kind of went like, okay, let's try to separate the two facets, right? As a writer-director, let me try to separate this. And if this was written and directed by two different people, I'd be like, okay, who the fuck wrote this? But I think I'd be like, this one was kind of well-directed for how terrible the script is. Esther? No, I don't disagree. I mean, like... If he had directed that script... Yeah, it's got its moments. It's got a visual style. It's got some, like, ingenuity at moments. Oh, totally. He's obviously... It's not... Yeah, it's not bad in that way. That's not the problem. Like, This is not... Yeah. I think there's, like, a weird transformation. It's not flat. Like, it's not... No, no. You know, you can tell he's good with actors. You know? I mean, we watch this and it's like... There are more sort of behavioral mm. moments than you would get in your average romantic comedy. I think he was good with actors. I don't know. I can't tell. I can't I tell. No, I feel like people just like fall into ticks in this movie. Like she yes. does that. Like, yeah. Oh I mean, I'm God. sorry. I was and McAdams with her, with her like her no exasperation. Yes. Yeah, but I just love McAdams. I love McAdams yeah. too. I love her. She can do no wrong. I hate seeing her shafted by. I like do this. too. Yeah. I hate it. Um, I just think there's a weird transformation that's kind of happened where. 
I uh, look at like, and we bought a zoo, which is the best movie he's made, like you know, in fifteen years, right? You know, is him adapting someone else's thing, rewriting someone else's thing, kind of just like but, up but for we, hire. Yeah, but We Bought a Zoo is not good enough I'm not for to, him to be I'm like, let me to, make more. I'm not trying to overhype We Bought a Zoo. Zoo 2. Because uh, We Bought it 2. Uh, uh, Sophie said to me also last night, she we was bought like, a cast. I, I was defending We Bought a Zoo to her, because that at, at the time we were recording that episode, it hasn't dropped yet, and I was defending We Bought a Zoo to Sophie. And she was like, I, I know, I understand what you're saying. But you have to know that from the outside, you defending We Bought a Zoo at 11 o'clock at night at my dinner table makes me believe that you like everything. (laughs) (laughs) Now, to be fair, you did defend the lady in the water. I did. So that might be fair. I did. Uh, But I feel like for a guy who was so much a writer first, started out as a journalist and then was a screenwriter, you know, and then was like a filmmaker where the writing was definitely the dominant force. I think he's become a better director than he is a writer. And I think if Cameron Crowe, like, aside from the Alec Baldwin thing, which is like, okay, how does he write this thing? This is the last part of my pitch. I think Cameron Crowe would be better off directing other people's scripts right now. And I, that would have seemed a sacrilegious thing. What if he directed Cop Out? That I think he could have plussed it. Doing it. He could have plussed it? No, but I do think there's a universe in which if you gave him a script and you allowed him to add his flavor onto a script that was fundamentally sound and relatable... He could what make if he a directed good film the intern? That's a perfect example. I don't he... take anything away from Nancy. I think some things need to be taken away no, from Nancy. No, don't take anything away from <laughs> that, Nancy. that type of movie, if you handed him. Yeah, no, I do think, I mean, or yeah, and I don't think it's that a... that was functional. And I don't think it's like a sacrilegious thing. I think like there is this fundamental thing of writers who need to, you know, it's why you adapt things. It's why yeah. you, you know why playwrights write translations of plays you know sure it's a aloha should be a play <laughs> how are they gonna stage the satellite blowing up It'd be great it'll be a musical satellite yeah. of the mind <gasps> aloha the musical that might be good yeah okay yeah. fine i mean emma stone fine i chops in cabaret I'll do it i'll play allison ang and aloha <laughs> No, you gotta play Baldwin. You gotta, you gotta do Baldwin. Oh, no. Cool no, no, guy. No, no, no. Play fingers. I'd be fingers. really good. That I kept on thinking, like, because I do a lot of weird finger shit. But I we'll was do like, a I weird, fucking play. We'll finger. do a, like a weird theatrical thing where you have like a giant hand, like one of those Michelle Gondry hands that you can wiggle around. <laughs> what if Julie Taymor did Aloha on Broadway? That'd be great. It was all puppets, and it cost as much as Spider-Man Turn on the Dark somehow. Turn <laughs> off like, the dark. Turn off the dark. Yeah, you have to turn off the dark. That's true. I'm sorry. I wanted to turn it on. No, you can't. <laughs> no, it's um, too much. That's you know how- why it's called Turn Off the Dark? Why? Because, like, like the Edge's kid said that once or something. <laughs> like, literally, it's the stupidest reason in the world. Bono said it, and he thought it was a profound thing to it's, say. It's literally some, Bono's kid said it. Someone's I mean, kid yes, said yes, it. It was like, yes. turn off the dark, and yeah. he was like, oh, yeah, that should be the name of the Spider-Man musical. In the plot of the musical, it's because <laughs> they the want to- With the goddess Arachne. In the plot of the musical, it's because they want to reverse the effects of a New York City blackout. I really wish we could do a blank check about Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Oh it's God. not on Broadway anymore, right? It no, no, it's not. Yeah, which is it too closed. bad. I, I, wish I never there was saw like, it. I'm really, I'm oh, sort of sad I didn't. My brother saw it. Yeah. Did you see it? No, I didn't. Oh, see, I saw it before Julie Tanwar got fired. Oh, man, did somebody fall on you? Yes. Okay. Um, I like 25% of it, and the 25% was the stuff they cut out after they fired Julie Tanwar. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, that's how they would have done the satellite, though. Spider-Man yeah, They would have had swinging and falling on yeah. people. I was working, actually, uh, for the show, and I got fired the first day. Really? Is this true? I, I let go of a, a rope or something. I don't know. <laughs> ben, goddammit. 
<laughs> You're a piece of shit. <laughs> I want to put you in one of those springboards they had and just launch you against the Empire State Building. <laughs> Oh. oh my god. Oh. <laughs> All right. So it's time to turn off the dark. Yeah. Five billion comedy points. <laughs> Cameron Crowe may never make another movie. What he else? was briefly, I was poking around on the internet. He was briefly attached to some memoir about a kid who's like a dad whose kid has a meth addiction. There are Which two- sounds like like no, Cameron, no. <laughs> like that's the last thing I want you to make. I forget the name of the book. We bought a meth a meth lab. <laughs> that's just breaking bad, right? <laughs> yeah. I forget the names of the books, but there are two memoirs, one written by a son and one written about a father that are both about the son dealing with his meth addiction. I'm just going to Google Cameron Crowe meth. Yeah, please do. <laughs> I think it was crack. I want to say it was no, crack. No, it's meth. It's meth. You sure? Oh, yeah. But it's it called Beautiful Boy? Boy. Yes. Do you think there's a type of meth that goes by Cameron Crowe? That's a street name. Yeah. <laughs> These were two separate books that were written at different times that were published separately. But they function as two different perspectives on mm. a difficult oh, period in the life. Yeah, I remember Tweak. reading about this. The other one is yes. called Tweak. And it was kind of an interesting idea to buy both books and make a movie based off of both of them. I don't really trust him at this point, although I do trust him more to adapt something and write an original screenplay. And he was thinking of he was thinking of casting Marky Mark as the lead of this movie. This, this all sounds bad. As we learned with Shyamalan, like, I don't know. Marky Mark's a bad rebound candidate. I'd say Cameron Crowe, go, go. Cruise the br- the blacklist, you know, and I'm not talking about the the James Spader show. Look at some good well, spec maybe, scripts. Why doesn't he do a couple blacklist episodes? <laughs> he should do a couple blacklist. Maybe episodes. Blind Spot. I'd love to see what he did with Raymond Red Reddington. <laughs> <laughs> That's his name, right? The star of the blacklist. Yeah, yeah. His name's Red. Red Reddington. Red Reddington. Yeah. Raymond. He wears vests Red and hats. And a hat. He does wear hats. I saw yeah. that. I've seen that. Yeah, he dresses exactly like Nathan Fielder. Well, this has been our episode on Aloha. Thumbs up. <sighs> Thumbs up. Uh, are we going to do our ranking Cameron Crowe movies, or do we save that for the roadies episode? No, let's do it now. Why not? Do you want to do you want to do a Cameron Crowe ranking, Esther? I'll leave this one to you guys. Okay. I have mine prepped I already, so not... I'll read it as you uh, organize your list, uh, David. Oh, sure. Go. You already got yours. <clears throat> fancy, fancy. Yes, and i got to make one change, actually, because of, uh, as, as noted, my shift in opinions about Aloha, my mild shift. Number one film, Almost Famous. And I should clarify, uh, my ideal form is the theatrical cut. Not untitled. No, but I'm not ranking that as a separate film. Uh, no. Number two, Jerry Maguire. Number three, Say Anything. Number four, Vanilla Sky. Number five, We Bought a Zoo. Number six. You want to slow this down? Singles. <laughs> Number seven, Denim Invasion. <laughs> Number eight, <laughs> Aloha. Number nine, Elizabethtown. Okay. Yeah, it would be number one, Jerry. Mm-hmm. Number two, Say Anything. Mm-hmm. Number three, Vanilla Sky. Van- sorry, Vanilla Sky. Comes in at three, wow. Yeah, number four, Singles. Number five, Almost Famous. Number six, uh, what, what other movies did he make? You going to buy a zoo or not? Yeah, number six, Zoo. Number seven, Denim. Okay. Number, I mean, the same, the, the bottom is the same. Number eight, Aloha. Number nine, uh, Elizabeth Town. No, it should be like number eight, Aloha. And then I just like take a long pause and I don't know. You go I, like, for take a, a walk. walk. Yeah, exactly. You I, look like, up at the sky, you get arrested. I go on like a night drive <laughs> <laughs> and like music plays. And then finally I like stop and I have children around me and I'm like number nine, Elizabeth Town. Yeah. Esther, thank you I so much. I just don't like Almost Famous. I know. 
Stupid. The only currency we still have in this bankrupt world is the things you share with someone when you're uncool. <laughs> what a... Oh, I hate that. I, I hate it. that line. No, I love, I love that oh, line. God. I masturbate to that line. Oh, God. That's exactly why I hate that line. <laughs> I write it on my bathroom wall, and then I have to paint over it every time. <sighs> Boy. Yeah. On that note, Esther, thank you so much for being on the thank show. Thank you for having me. It was a me. real pleasure. Esther, you were a great guest. Thank you. Of course. Unsurprisingly. Aloha, Esther. Uh, Warmest aloha. And if you want to plug, you can be found on Twitter, Easy Rights. Easy Rights. Uh, which <laughs> works on several levels, much yep. like the title of Aloha. When did you think of that? Oh my god, I was like in college. Yeah, I'm a little embarrassed by it now, but really, I think it's a good. Uh, I think it's a good handle. I think it's really good. I my it was first gonna be easy writer, but then somebody Someone had that had already. That. Yeah, because you're, you're. I like easy writes more. Actually. Your yeah. initials are easy. Yes, that do is. Do you have a middle name? I do. C. Claire. Mm. Oh, good name. Good middle name. Easy. easy. Yeah, that doesn't really work. No, no you don't want to. No. You don't want to use a middle initial unless no. you have to. No. Uh. Your name's Griff Lightning on My Twitter. My name's Griff Lightning on Twitter. Follow me there. Uh, you can make trades with me on the Star Wars card trader app under Griff Lightning. Do you still Lightning. use it? Barely. I have like 800,000 credits right now because I'm just not buying You anything. have to log in every day to get the credits. Yeah, so no. you open it to get the credits and then, okay, that's what I've been doing too. Yeah. There are no- uh, uh, I'm waiting for some new wave of yeah. things. I like vintage cards. I like like the 77s. I'm just waiting for that to come back. Anyway, follow me on Twitter and please uh, just keep watching the tick and you know what uh you know honestly uh, uh tweeting about it if you like it uh posting anything about it uh, if you don't like it you know you don't owe me anything but if you like it uh, Amazon does pay attention to sort of the sure, social, social media mm-hmm. outlets people so, like that yeah, stuff what did uh, they just say about Larry Wilmore it didn't resonate on social media yeah no. let them know it resonates mm-hmm. i uh yeah well, of course want to remind you to uh, rate review subscribe all the yeah. UCB podcasts and uh, and us you know rating reviewing it, it it helps have you rated and reviewed us on iTunes i haven't yeah no of course not nobody has um, I never, but who rate? I know, I know. A lot of people do. Hey, uh, no bits though. No bits. No bits. Pro Smiths. We haven't even talked about that. Smiths yeah, we didn't even talk one. about. We'll Jer- talk Jimmy about Smiths that. is in Rogue One. That's very. Oh my exciting. god, he's also in the Get Down. He is. Oh. He's quite fun in the Get Down. I like him a lot. I wish there was more Smiths in the Get Down. Oh, I feel like we have differing opinions. I just want to do away with adults entirely. Well, I think that's probably fair for making the Get Down a good show. But I also think I just want a show about like seventies real estate development in New York City with Jimmy Smith as like a crazy guy Spin who's off. like yeah, 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 yeah. The get down real estate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Colin. We pot a cast. <laughs> um thank you, thank you, thank you. We're so tired. Uh we're I'm so beat. Um Next week, uh, roadies, Ugh. wrapping up this Cameron Crowe thing. And then yeah. uh, after that, the the long-promised Cameron Crowe. Maybe serious. We'll, we might do a palate cleanser in between. Cameron Crowe. Fucking, I'm losing my mind. James Cameron. <laughs> James Cameron is coming up. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do a Ben's choice, though, I think we're we? going to do a Ben's choice. Ben, what's your choice? I don't know. What if he said aloha? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> we're running it back. I was going to- Lock the gates. Yeah, I we'll find out soon. I have some shit I'll run by you guys. It might just be the man who knew too little, but I feel like we already sort of did like that kind of comedy. Mm. So, I have no problem doing that film. I would happily do that. Yeah, I, I mean, I love that one. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely figure something out. We'll have something for you. We'll have a nice yeah. little bonbon yeah. for you, and then James Cameron's coming up uh, after that. Oh, here's the thing we haven't been mentioning, because uh, we've been out of order and on delay and everything. Uh, I my life exploded, and I, as you may have noticed, it took us fucking forever to update the artwork for this mini series. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We have now officially outsourced uh, artwork because I just was not getting the Photoshop. Yeah, you're a real disaster. I'm I'm a disaster, and yeah. someone stepped to the plate. One of our fans, uh, Patrick Reynolds, Pat Renz, on Twitter, 
uh, has Makes been very great artwork. Unbelievable. And I haven't even shown you yet. I'll show you right now, actually. He has already prepped our art for the Cameron, uh, James Cameron series. He just sends me stuff and goes whistling. like, what do you think of this idea? Like uh, just sending me like uh, drafts of stuff. The, the Cameron. Oh, God, it's it's unbelievable. I'm going to send to you send, and just you're going to gonna fucking freak out. Uh, I'm just trying to find it right now. Um, okay, well, why don't we yes. do that after we've Off-night. stopped recording? Yes. Griffin uh, Newman. Thank you so much for everything, our great listeners. Uh, right? That's unbelievable, right? Yeah, I need a second with it here. Listeners, to close off. get ready. He has found a way to cover, I think, six. Oh my God. I look okay. It right. covers six different films in one piece of artwork. A pen. I just saw a pen. It's amazing. So, uh, Patrick Reynolds, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. For the artwork. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, thanks to Lane Montgomery for the theme song. We don't thank of him enough. Uh, and as always, and as always, it's about the, the sky. sky. Uh, my father is half Chinese and half Hawaiian, and my mother is Swedish. Um, She's so... of Swedish descent. Okay, let me let me restart. No, she says my mother is Swedish. She's of Swedish descent. <laughs> I couldn't find the exact quote. Do you want to try to do it? No, it I wasn't think, on IMDb. Just, it wasn't on IMDb. I just think it's so funny that she reinforces that she's Swedish. It's just like, that's why I'm white. Okay, Ben, don't cut any of this of out. Of course. No, no, put it all at the end. Sure. Yeah. Okay. This has been a UCB Comedy production. Check out our other shows on the UCB Comedy Podcast Network. 